grab it. No, I know. So, the oh, Valverde thing song. Okay. We'll do one, two, three, Valverde. Right? Yes. Why don't we do one, two, three? No, Dogmatica! Just pop it right now. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So, one, two, three. No, Dogmatica! And then should every Valverde be no Dogmatica? Okay, never mind. No. Okay. One, two, three. No, no Dogmatica! Episode 5 of the 2015 regular season. This is show 198. Two countdown shows until 200. We are fired up about that one. In this show, we're going to talk about, obviously, the week 5 matchups. And this one we're going to call Keeping You Alive in 5. And we're going to get right into this action. As usual, I've got... Houdini to the left of me. I got Stag Party across the way, as we uh, told you at the very beginning of the show. No, Dogmatica. I'm the bad boy. I've never been the bad boy. You've been the bad employee, the bad son, the bad friend. Yeah. Yes, yes. The bad fiance, the bad dinner guest, the bad credit risk. Okay, the point is made. The bad day, the bad sport, the bad citizen. The bad tipper. I'm D-Rex, we are Pyromaniac.com, and fired up to get into these matchups. Guys, I should have it up here. Who's on by this week? <laughs> uh, just a couple people. Uh, starts with the Panthers, the Dolphins, who could use it probably more than anybody after firing their head coach in uh, you know, Joe Philbin, and the Vikings, and the J-E-T, Jets, Jets, Jets. Nice. All right. Uh, pretty excited to talk fantasy football it's crazy that we're a quarter of the way through the fan, through the entire season, which means we're more than that through the fantasy season if you play it right. And as usual, everything's upside down. You don't know what's where. The things you thought for sure were guaranteed to happen aren't, and some of the things have been. Uh, but that's why we do this, and that's why there ain't no right until the end of the season. Uh, and we're going to give you the information to help you get there. So do you think it was nice of the Dolphins to wait until Philbin got back from London before they, 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 uh, they canned his ass? Wow! Now that guy got canned! <laughs> they didn't pull one of those, uh, who's the guy, uh, Lane Kiffin? They didn't have the bus leave without him at like the gas station? <laughs> 
That was a great firing story. They just left. The guy was sitting there. His bags were on the bus, too. Like, they weren't even like... Fend for yourself. You left us in, in dire straits. We're leaving you in dire straits. Unbelievable. What do you, uh, what do you got going on over there, Stags? Oh, you know, I'm just delving into the matchups this week. There's a lot of different stuff to look forward to. Lots of teams on buys. And hopefully we get a better scoring week than we did in week uh, week four there. Because it was definitely quite a bit down across the board. It was kind of like it was watching the Big Ten football. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> like the I think the top 12 scoring running backs averaged like five less points this week than they did uh, in week three. And then the top 12 wide receivers averaged like eight points less than they did in week uh, three. And the top uh, 12 tight ends scored like, you know, roughly two points less than they did in week week three. Isn't But this is also something that you have to start to expect is going to start happening around this time of the season. Because at the beginning of the year, offenses should have the advantages on defenses. And it takes a little bit of time maybe, you know, for, for defenses to get the continuity. And then they also have a lot more game film on these offenses that they're seeing so they're able to game plan better. And it's also about those divisional games. Once you get into more of those divisional games where teams know each other so much better, playing twice a season for the last, you know, it seems like a decade since divisional uh, realignment, you just know. You know what's going to happen uh, against the Steelers uh, when when you're the Ravens. And it just sort of happens that, you know, week, week four is that first sort of real heavy divisional sort of schedule. Although they've actually kind of gone a little bit heavy, I feel, with the divisional matchups already. And I know that they're... This is what they experimented with last year, and, and it, it's going to be again. When they it isn't the last week of the season, uh, I have to pull it up. But the last last week of the last two weeks of the season are all divisional yeah. matchup games because they want to have at least as the interest of the rivalries and everything else. So a big yeah, game it, in it, a division may, being the deciding factor. And that's yeah. exactly what it is. And playoff, you know, hopes to still to be decided. A lot of you know cups still in the air, balls in the air, lots of different things on the line. You thinking about beer pong over there? Cups, <laughs> in, cups the in the air, air. balls in the air. I'm thinking about a different version of beer pong <laughs> that we cannot talk about on the yes. podcast. Good, we, we'll, we'll, we'll refrain. As you usually know, we go by the weekly schedules for this week, week five, off of NFL.com. Go there, NFL.com. You're looking for schedules, then you're looking for regular season, then you're going to week five. We're going to start from the top. The Thursday night game is going to be the Indianapolis Colts are going to be at the Houston Texans. Let's start with the visiting team uh, first. Luck took all first team reps today. Is he playing? Got to certainly think they he is when they go out and they cut their emergency quarterback and Josh Johnson on Monday. Uh, you know they're being very candid about his ability on uh, on Thursday, but I think it's just a reason to have. You know, a little bit of you know mystery going into the game against the divisional opponent, a, a depo- an opponent that you pretty much dominate, and you know this is sort of the game where I expect Andrew Luck to get on track, because him and the combination of T.Y. Hilton absolutely demolish the Houston Texans. They just whatever the reason is have their numbers. Uh, I think last season, and it, it always seems to be a Thursday night game. It's always it's it's some sort of a highlighted game. You're absolutely right, the primetime game. Well, I think last year he went off for like ten catches for 224 yards and two touchdowns, something along those lines. 
And Hilton has just had these guys' number in his career. Uh, I think he averages like a touchdown and a half a game <laughs> against the Houston Texans. So if you're looking for a reason to get T.Y. Hilton in your lineup, you know, especially in DraftKings and FanDuel, his price has been a little bit lowered because he hasn't been off to that great of a start. But you got to remember, last year, he's also off to a pretty slow start. And who did he start it up against? It was against Houston, nine catches for 223 yards and a touchdown. Mm. And the season before that, uh, when he faced Houston, he had eight catches for 78 yards toward the end of the year and earlier in the year. At Houston, uh, it was uh, seven catches for 121 yards and three touchdowns that he had in that game. So Nice. Well, I'm going to take uh, Val Verde. I'm dangerous, Jerry. I'm very, very dangerous. So, we expected a lot more from Frank Gore last week, and he's had a little bit of a case of the fumble-itis. You doubt he's in danger of losing his job with, you know, sort of how they paid him. But then, you know, Josh Robinson, the rook, comes in and loses some, too. So, hello, Ahmad Bradshaw, baby? I like who, it. Who was in uh, Monday for a visit, uh, who could be potentially getting added to this roster. You know, I just feel like... Things are spinning a little bit in Indianapolis, right? You have the the whole uh, dis discontent between uh, coach and GM. Um, you have Andrew Luck, who is your your star quarterback, who's injured now. Um, thank God, everybody, this is not a Monday night game, and you don't have to worry. You'll know whether he's going to start before the game, so it won't affect your your fantasy week. But you're not protecting him. He's taking tons of hits. So is Ahmad Bradshaw. It's either guy that you want to bring in because he's going to be able to block well. I mean, I just don't look... I look at this offensive line, and I don't know how you can truly expect anybody that's going to come in there going to be able to do a fantastic job running the ball. You know, I think we'll... we'll I'll, I'll say the same things when we get to the Eagles. <laughs> I don't care who you have running. If guys are... If there are no holes and offensive linemen are being blown up, there is no way for you to be having your continuity in the running game. I don't think the running game matters. Remember the king of the pass dump off, five receiving touchdowns for Ahmad Bradshaw last season, and I I don't know if Gore sort of has that explosion factor. We know what Gore is at this stage in his career, and that slow and steady between the tackles kind of runner. And I don't know if that's what you know they need for this type of offense. I still think he's going to be good, but I. I, I think they're going to have to let Andrew Luck start chucking it for this offense to take the next step. I agree. With Gore, you know that what he had in front of him, that line he had with the Niners, was one of the best ones around for a lot of his career. And the best thing about Gore, the thing that I always said about why I love his game, he was super patient. He would be able to sit back there and kind of go slowly, get the ball, and then survey the situation, and then make a, make a cut. He can't do that with this line. That line, you said, they're getting blown up. They're not making things happen. So his style of play right now, he's going to have to recalibrate it, really figure out how he's going to be successful behind them. And, you know, potentially we've got Dwayne Allen coming back, giving his blocking from the tight end position that could be a little bit of a help on the run game. Uh, you know, they haven't really had that with Fleener as the main sort of proponent at tight end the last couple weeks. So, you know, he's practicing in full this week. Hope to see him back in the lineup. Although we did see with Fleener was all of a sudden, as Dwayne Allen's out, Kobe Fleener becomes a, a receiving threat. Was it seven catches, 83 yards? Yeah. And uh, a tutty. And a tutty. Yeah. So, you know, it's, just, it's, it's interesting how that always tends to work out. So, 
Um, the let's talk about some of the wide receivers. Moncrief. Uh, we already talked about Hilton. Hilton expecting to blow up. Sounds like uh, Stag Party might have him as one of his players for the DFS. Uh, what else is, is happening there? We saw Moncrief. You gotta love what Moncrief's doing, right? I mean, look, he got nine targets this last week. He's grabbing six catches, seventy-five yards. He's become a constant now in the offense. He's. It was almost like remember at the beginning of the year where they were challenging him, and he fell to like was ranked I think almost to fourth on the depth chart when Andre Johnson came in. Well, now he has used all that as motivation. He's putting it all together. Look at this Texans defense. What happened to them last week? They were annihilated. So if you don't think that there's a good opportunity for Andrew Luck to start taking the top off with Moncrief and with Hilton, absolutely. You might even get a chance for a rare deep shot for Philip Dorsett in this game. Ah. Not a rare one, but a, you know, one that's going to connect. I mean, they were absolutely decimated by the run game last week. I think they gave up nearly like 150 to 200 yards rushing, and then all those touchdowns to Devonta Freeman. Toot, toot. Uh, <laughs> Leonard Hankerson also had a hell of a game receiving. Yeah, though, yeah boy, but so. remember what they did to Julio. Just, just 38 yards receiving. So this could be a game where it's a bit hit or miss on which guy is going to blow up. But I think that deep speed of Hilton is going to be the sort of determining factor. Uh, Houston's been very good against opposing wide receivers so far this season. So I like I, I like what they're doing on that side of the ball. But if they get anywhere decimated like they did last week, it's going to be things are looking not looking so rosy there in Houston. But you know, I just want to say, but you're, you made the point that this should be the game that that Luck should start airing it out. I think they need to commit to that early, which is why I'm backing these receivers because you can use Hilton and Moncrief on short crossing patterns and slant patterns and have them, you know, expose the field that way. So I just think that, you know, forget about trying to, to spend all this time establishing the run. Be who you are, get in the shotgun, let Andrew Luck get some protection, use the pass to take pressure off of him there. And flipping over to the the Texans, we've got you know, Mallet getting the start after, you know, pretty much being pulled late in that game, being ineffective, them getting their asses whipped a little bit. Uh, you know, Arian Foster getting in a couple limited sessions early this week. Uh, today he was limited again in practice. And he, it looks like he's going to be out there. When they were in the game, he was in the lineup a lot last week. Against the Colts, he plays well. And he usually plays well. You know, on sort of these Thursday night games, he's sort of a primetime guy who whenever you see him on the field, he usually shows up. And I, I think he's going to show up again this week. I, I really think this is where he starts getting back on track and becoming that sort of 20-carry guy that you, you drafted knowing you were going to get a bit later in the season. Okay, well, what about DeAndre Hopkins? What about the ridiculous amount of targs he got last week? And but the it's on the season, but, yeah, the season. <laughs> but twenty two targets last week, and he had a terrible first half. He only had nine catches in the game, but it was still one hundred and fifty seven yards. But twenty two targets. Can I say? Yeah. Don't, don't we think? Don't you? As I, as having Nuke on many teams, I wish I wish they went with Hoyer. I'm bummed out. Hoyer came in, threw up twenty one points, was moving the ball, getting Nuke around. I'm right now new owners. I guess it kind of works with that either one. But right now, if you're looking at that volume, you're saying let's get the Hoyer program going uh, asap. But he's had targets all season. But Nuke is a freak of nature, and I, I would, I think he's going to finish top two, top three wide receiver in points this year. Is there it's just but, too good? Is he being coached by Nuke Lelouch? 
Because I feel like stag party right now. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> From Bull Durham? I do not know baseball. Oh, you're, 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 the movie. I know the movie. Yeah, oh, yeah. I've wanted to suck on Susan Sarandon's tits for years now. No, no <laughs> nuke, nuke Lelouch, because everything you do is like a nuclear bomb, nuclear bomb. Got like, it. Like, he, is, he's the nuke. Stags, I've said it before. Amen to you. You were as high on him. I'm like, why do you like him? Terrible team. And I kind of, by the end, you just, you, you, you got him in, and that guy's ridiculous. I'm so happy. But I'm him. talking about calling the coach, Bill Bradley, nuke, that he keeps blowing this thing up. Got it, got it. You know, what is he doing at the quarterback position? And it's, and it's because they're just in a funk and he doesn't know what to do. Um, I, I agree. I think that you, should, that you should go back to Hoyer at this point in time. It's not fluid there. Yeah. I mean, we just got to think that he's averaging 15 targets a game. Wow. 15. That's insane. I love <laughs> that guy. I think we can move on to the next game. Is there anyone else you want to talk I about? Mean, there's a couple injuries at wide receiver that are worth mentioning besides Nuke. You know, Seashell Shorts dislocated the shoulder. He's probably not going to be in there on Thursday. I'm pretty sure Nate Washington might also be down with a hammy. So you might get to see a little bit of Jalen Strong, uh, what, Kevin Mumphrey a little bit. uh, Mumphrey and Sons is playing? You wish. (laughs) (laughs) No wishes. (laughs) Exactly. Let's move on to the next game. Our beloved Bears equaling out against the Raiders. We'll take it. Uh, They are going to be at Arrowhead playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, at 1 o'clock on the 11th of October this Sunday. Let's start with the Bears. Cutler, you put it in your pickups piece this week. Tell me about him. I mean, he's, when he's playing, he's, he's fantasy viable. Well, and it's amazing, too. You, you, you see what difference even... Not, it doesn't have to be a great quarterback, but a quarterback that can actually make throws makes a difference to your team when you watch the Bear team with Jimmy Clausen against Seattle, and then you see what they look like against Oakland. And the fact that's good for Cutler is that yeah, you're going to get a turnover or two, you know, per game. But he's still going to be throwing for a lot of yards because this Bears defense is still, while they're better than they were last year, you're not getting guys that are completely out of position and you have guys that are 15 yards open in, the, in 30 yards downfield. That's not happening right now. But they're still going to be playing from behind. They're not stopping anybody, creating a ton of turnovers. So there is always these, these chances for him. He hasn't had Alshon Jeffrey back. When he gets Alshon back, now that's going to give him another weapon. Martellus Bennett, well, he connected up well with him last week. He's, he's starting to make... He, you can see how he can make guys into players. You see, you see what he did for Eddie Royal. All these guys are going to have a chance this week. They're playing against a Chiefs secondary that is very suspect, okay? And it's kind of an interesting matchup because the Chiefs' defense is also one that you may want to stream against this Bears' offense. But Cutler's the streaming quarterback to play against their defense. Who's Sean Smith going to guard? You know, does it really even matter? It's going to be a matchup type game for Cutler. He's doing a better job in Adam Gase's offense of managing it. In this game, I, I still think if Alshon's back, I, I, I don't see a big game from him. I, I really kind of see the Eddie Royal working underneath again, and I see Martellus Bennett a lot. Uh, those are your main weapons, and you're going to Marquise Wilson. You're going to take your shots on, uh, you know, who's that? The one, just one corner that just gets picked on relentlessly on, on the All Chiefs. of them. Jamal All Fleming. Them. <laughs> Fleming, Cooper, whichever one. So um, you got a lot of chances. I, I, I kind of like, I like Martellus a lot. I like Cutler this week a lot. Here's the thing. I think just because the Chiefs have been so bad, they are going to destroy the Chicago Bears this week. Uh, with Sean Smith, you know, back and integrated into the defense, 
uh, you know, with the rookie Marcus Peters, you know, four games in now uh, under his belt, and now they've got you know Fleming and Cooper moving back into secondary roles to where they're not you know the top corner, which is how they were being picked on. But this team has been picked apart by you know the Broncos, the Packers, uh, the Red Hot Cincinnati Bengals, and who who else did they play? Uh, They've got one more team who just picked them apart. And I don't think the Chicago Bears are that caliber. I, I I think this is a game where the Chiefs get the ship right. And at home, I think they're able to run the ball, uh, play some time of possession, clock control, that all, they haven't really been able to do too much this season. But I think their offense gets going. I think their defense you know, gets, steps it up a little bit. I, I don't know that we can block their pressure. No. Well, I'm not saying that the Bears are going to win this game. I want you to understand that. I, I'm saying this is not a good game for, for Forte. I, I like Cutler and, and, and Bennett <clears throat> because I think the Bears are going to be behind because they can't stop Jamal Charles. That's going to be the other main issue that they're going to have. This is not going to be – this is also potentially a, a good game for Travis Kelsey. I see this That's is, what I was going to say. Yeah. It's been a while since Kelsey, week one, like everyone's stroking each other mm-hmm. off for going grabbing that guy in the top five rounds. He needs to bounce back, and this is a kind of punching bag game, like Staggs is saying, that it could happen. I agree because it's going to be. It should be Charles. I don't see Macklin having a big game in this one. Uh, you know, he he might be able to make a play or two, but the Bears are doing a, a decent job of of not allowing you know the deep plays against them. They're just allowing teams to move up and down the field. Well, that plays perfectly into what uh, you know Kansas City likes to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, do we have any other guys you want to talk about in this one, or can we actually pull off a? Yeah, let's move on. Under four four minutes for one game. Holla at you, boy. Uh, last thing. Uh, wait, if we got if we got if we got time. Oh, uh oh. Hey, what are you doing? What? Did did you just double dip that chip? You double dip the chip. Double dip? What, what what are you talking about? You dipped the chip. You took a bite, and you dipped again. <laughs> So that's like putting your whole mouth right in the dick. That's why Dogmatic is not here. <laughs> I don't get that one. <laughs> we double dip all the time. Oh, oh good stuff. Because he got the germs from the double dipper. Oh, that's why he's sick. That's a good point. Good See, I'm, point. I'm making a lot of, you gotta, yeah. you gotta work with my hey, connections here. It's been a, it's high been a level day. stuff. Too. I mean, high level yeah, stuff. I'm <laughs> not as sharp as usual, Houdini. You work with me here. Um, I'll do a quick Pyro promo. Uh, Pyro Pro, as we talk about. Hummin actually just made a lot of great changes this week where now, as I've been saying, what's going to happen, your lineup is like your your dashboard is now a timeline. So whenever we add anything for Pyro Free or any op-ed piece, it shows up in there. Anytime we change the ranking or update the ranking at the beginning of the week for players that are on your dashboard, it's at the top. So now everything is happening, whereas we add it and we change it, we add a news feed, it's at the top. And it's this great chronological descending order timeline piece that we had always envisioned and we just finally got it uh, developed and installed. It's amazing. You can add up. Uh, you can add up to right now 30 players that you want and have a team name. Our developer in the next three days is going to have so you can do up to five teams with 30 players per. So now Pyro Pro, you're going to be able to do up to 150 players in your dashboard. A lot of you guys that are on Pyro Pro have been asking for that. You freaks of nature have so many different leagues and you're living that Houdini lifestyle that. 
you're just like, 30's not enough. I need more. And we didn't want to necessarily pop in uh, more per individual team. So now we're letting you go and put up to five different teams with different names with your players in it. Oh, yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, actually, a lot of great other changes. Houdini's up doing his weekly pickup video that goes only to Pyro Pro. We're doing the pickups piece, which you should check out. It's awesome. Houdini, hats off again. Fist bump. This, he's starting to outdo himself. Uh, now he's getting it done like at like 6 o'clock after going to Bears games. So he's, he's, he's trying to make a point, and we're proud of him for it. Uh, his girl must be like out at like Marshall Fields or something, or Macy's. She likes to read. Okay, good. She likes to read. That's good. But amazing stuff. The fact that, I mean, looking at the sheet, and it's like, it, the games are barely even over, and pickups is up. I was at the Bears game this morning. Oh, God, you're the man. So check that out with the Pyro Pro video. It's a video cast that Houdini's doing every week. We're all going to be starting to do a lot more Pyro uh, video Pro video cast. That goes for uh, Stag Party. That goes for me, D-Rex. We're going to start using that, that media a lot more for the Pyro Pro. So check it out. It's 40 bucks a year. I mean, it's, it's, it's a night out. You're going to win. We're going to give you so much advice and, and know-how that it's going to win your money back. If you want to give it, a, put your feet in the water and give it a try, 10 bucks for the month. If you want to try it for the week, it's 5 bucks. A lot of people are joining up. I haven't heard one person ask for their money back yet. You get to ask for second opinions, the direct access to our Pyro Mindshare. A lot of people are asking a lot of questions. We're answering them. And it's pretty amazing that you can just say, hey, I got this question about a trade or this question about a pickup or this question about what should I do uh, in my bye week for this guy. And you're going to get an answer from pretty much some of the best fantasy football minds out there. Houdini's going to answer you. An OC's going to answer you. Moe's going to answer you. Stag Party. Dogmatica. D-Rex. I don't know how great it is when I answer, but you're on your own. <laughs> <laughs> a Festivus for the rest of us. That's all I can do for you. I'll be able to deliver a Festivus party for you. Um, that's it. So Pyro Pro, hook it up. Do it. I understand, uh, you know, 40 bucks seems like a lot, or if you want to try the trial, do it. But I promise you, you will not, if you use it, it'll be worth it. Let's move on. Move on. All right, next game. Seahawks are going to be at the Bengals. We talked about how the Bengals have a tough schedule coming up. Here's where the party starts. Things, uh, things get a little rougher. A lot of great... Stats have been going on with all of them. It'll be interesting to see if this buzzsaw can keep it going. I'm not saying it can't. I mean, they're that hot and they have that much talent that they might just come in and they'll slow them up a little bit, but maybe Dalton's just ringing it up and Hill can still do it and Geo's still getting his stats. Where do you guys think? Let's start on the Seahawks side of it. Is there the, uh, the visitor? What, what do you see happening fantasy-wise in this game for the Seahawks? And then let's talk about... Uh, the Bengals. Well, I guess the first question is, do we believe that Marshawn Lynch is going to be back for this game? Yes. I believe so as well. So, how well do you think he's going to do it? Are they going to still work in roles? Because this is really where all the owners' questions are. And hamstrings are such a difficult uh, injury to, to deal with. Yeah, I think Lynch <clears throat> will be Lynch. Uh, just because, basically, Fred Jackson's got a high ankle sprain, talking about the rest of that backfield... So they will have to mix in rolls because that's like the only two guys they they'll have. But at the end of that Monday night game, they were using fullbacks out there like Tuafu and uh, Derek Coleman were running plays. So you know they're gonna have to use rolls with Lynch, and they're one of those teams that gives running backs a series. Uh, 
you know, that's sort of how the Seahawks operate their backfield. So I still think Lynch is going to get a majority of the carries, but it could be like a 60-40 sort of a snap split uh, with, you know, coming off a little bit of an injury. They felt like he probably could have played on Monday, but they didn't want to have a set setback. Uh, that's just how they felt about it. But I think this offense could be totally different with Lynch back in it. The question is, is Lynch going to get back to being Lynch? Because uh, that's what's really been missing this season. And that means, is the offensive line going to block? Because they didn't look like they could block a motherfucking soul <laughs> on Monday night. Well, they're missing, what, it was three three different guys I think they're missing on their offensive line right now. Um, and you also had Max Unger, who you traded in the offseason. But you had three guys that were in your starting offensive line that weren't there, I believe, in this last game. It's not good. And, and you know, this this... It's always something to pay attention to. You know, you could always we preach about you know knowing offensive lines ahead of time, but it there are always so many injuries to offensive linemen because guys get their legs rolled up on and you know ankle sprains and all these things just happen. And there's always shifting, and then there's guys that that move positions. Well, that changes everything that you've worked on in the off season. So it's important to note. That's why it's like when we were mentioning earlier. You know, how well are you going to be able to run the ball? Uh, at Indianapolis, well, how well are you going to be able to run the ball behind a makeshift line here as well? And you're facing a, a front seven in in, uh, in Cincinnati. That's pretty good. Geno Atkins looks like he's he's back in uh, in full full of, uh, effect again. So I'm not I'm not I'm not excited about what I got there. Well, the one thing that's a bummer is you saw Fred Jackson looks great. I mean, the plays that he was, he was busting those things. He looked like Fred Jackson of old. He's basically saying, I got no wear and tear still on this stuff. I'm ready to fire it up. Then, obviously, he got that injury. Rawls, on the other hand, line or not, looked like he was just, I had him in a couple lineups hoping to hoping to get some garbage uh, play for him, uh, and he, he just didn't look like he could do it. So, we'll see. When you got beast mode, he needs to be punishing people. He needs to have that confidence that he's going to be able to just plow you over and keep that play alive. If he's banged up still, the psyche on what he's going to be able to bring to the table is a whole lot different. And, and I'll say, this, let's also talk about Jimmy Graham, because what is up with this guy? You know, He's what we thought he was. He's just he's he, in a headache. Yeah, he's an absolute headache. He just is not bringing any type of extra dimension. It, it seems like you know, you know how uh, Rod Marinelli gives all of his players loafs yeah. if he sees them like you know not running hard or whatever, or you're running hard, which means that you weren't running hard before. Uh, I think you could almost give Jimmy Graham a loaf on almost every play. It seems. I agree. You see the one missed block that he? Oh. It was the loafiest block of all time. And it was like he must be he must be like releasing, but it wasn't releasing. He's just such a bad blocker. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of that. I gotta just say, you know, I told you so. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Graham, he's just not handling enough targets. Mm-hmm. He's handling something like 18% of the team's targets so far this season. Uh, he's targeted behind Doug Baldwin, like just barely ahead of Jermaine Curse. They spread the ball around. They don't. They do not want a focal point of the offense. And even when Jimmy Graham was running wide open down the sideline on that read option pass play. Russell decided to just keep it himself. That was going to be my ball. other point: is that it, this that. is, and it's not good because no one on this team is getting a lot of targets. But the guy that you can be more excited about is the guy that once he gets the ball in his hands can do something with it. And that, that's Tyler Lockett. I mean, this this kid is is showing up and and and, and making plays. I know Jermaine Curse had the, the the two you know big long plays in that game, but 
He only had two targets in the game. Ball one so, had the TD. The right. one thing I will say, Russell Wilson doesn't know that Lockett's only 5'7", because he keeps overthrowing that guy. <laughs> and the other thing, I think, is if I was going to say a candidate for a quarterback that we thought was start sturdy and smart and always knew when to get down, Russell Wilson's going to get hurt. There's no way. He can't do that Tony Romo flip and running around and keeping it all going. One time he's going to do one of those little flips, and someone's going to come in and demolish him. I think that's part and parcel due to Jimmy Graham. I think, you know, the thought was, oh, if I'm doing my extra scrambling in time, here's the ultimate advantage of a, of a, of a, of a piece. That's just what everyone said when you were in, we watched what, that, that year in uh, New Orleans. And... You're like a let's be honest. You're like a Republican right now against Obama. Because <laughs> I, 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 I bought into him two years ago, and it's like it's just been a disaster since. And what you see is he's it's it's also his cancer that he brings, and it's it's there are these high, awesome, talented players who just are for whatever reason can't get into the team minutia or whatever, and they're always discontented. And and what ends up happening to those discontented players is they you give. Uh, Give me an ulcer as a fantasy owner because they're never even going to put up the stats and then they bitch and complain about it and then they go somewhere else and they don't put up the stats there either and that's where he's at right now. He denied saying that he was unhappy with the offense though. Who knows what's true and what's right but he denied smoke with that fire, a couple, smoke couple fire. weeks ago when they said that he was unhappy. He denied that. I mean how can he be unhappy? He's still running a crap ton of routes. I think he's ran more routes through four games in his career than he ever has. He's running something like 85% of every play he's in he is in on is a pass play. So what is he complaining about? Like, he's just not getting targeted. And that's just something we knew because this offense isn't a pass-first offense. I, it's, I, and it never will be. So, sorry. Sorry, Jimmy. It, it, it might be if, if Beast Mode is banged up all year. Because well, last night it looked like a pass-first. Russell Wilson just doing his magic man stuff. And it looked pretty good for some reason. I don't know why. But that team could not friggin' sack him. And I was going up against him in yeah. two leagues with a nice lead. I'm like, who just sacked this friggin' putz? Go. But for Jimmy Graham people, you just realize it. And I've, I've realized it. Because thank God I got Eifert where I have him now. And I, and, I don't, and I got rid of him in all my other leagues prior to this year. But Nothing for you. Come back one year. Uh, the soup Nazi. All right. So, sounds like talk, beer pong or something. Should we, go, should we move on to the Bengals? Talk about the other side. This yeah. is where the matchup really gets interesting. We've got you know a team that's scoring, what, four touchdowns a game? Mm-hmm. Uh, so far this season, one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. Uh, they've got, like uh, I think, Gio Bernard's fifth. Uh, in rushing yards in the league, and you know Jeremy Hill's top three in rush rush touchdowns, and you know what if there could be one running back between the two of them? That then you would actually have the yards and the touchdowns as opposed to one or the other. Master Blaster. And then yes, Master Blaster. <laughs> you'd actually have a good player to start. And then you've got Eifert, who's the top three tight end so far this season, and I think AJ Green's a top three or top five receiver, you know, on the season. So you just got all these pieces. Well, and this is where it's going to get interesting, though, because now it's the battle of, okay, everything has been going so well, and now you're facing a defense that has been so tough, you know, against quarterbacks. Look at what Andy Dalton, 704 yards passing in the last two weeks uh, with four touchdowns and one interception. So you got Seattle, though, who has not given up 300 yards to any, any quarterback. 
They went on the road to Green Bay. They held Aaron Rodgers to 249 yards passing. So that's the most yards that they've given up through the air. Cincinnati wants to be a run-first team. Um, we saw Detroit, a team, again, another team with no offensive line. They couldn't run for, for their life and were throwing the ball all over the place, only through for 203 yards in the game for, for Stafford. So I, I look at this as being... You're going you're gonna to see a probably an, an, an attempt to establish the run. This is going to be, and again, thank God for, for the Bengals, Seattle's offense is really not scary even at all with Jimmy Graham. So it's going to be a closer game. It's going to be kind of like what we saw with the, the Detroit-type game. going to be more slog it out. Um, I, I, when I look at uh, Geo and Hill, yeah, you got This offensive line is great for the yeah. Bengals. Yes. That's, that's the one advantage they will have. You know, pretty much over any team they play this season. And that'll give them an opportunity to establish the run and establish the play action and establish the screen game, which a team like Detroit was not able to do. Uh, Amir Abdullah looked like, hey, I'm going to run straight up the middle because my offensive line sort of sucks. And I, I think, you know, if they give the same amount of carries to Gio, he will do a lot better. But, but he'll do better. But instead of getting negative two yards like Abdullah was getting... He'll, they'll gain two or three yards. It's, it's, it's just you're not going to get a strong rushing performance out of this team. And this is also not, you know, yeah, Jeremy Hill had the bounce back last week with the three touchdowns. He still only carried the ball nine times in the game. So if he's only getting nine touches and if you're thinking that you're going to get goal line carries and you're going to score three touchdowns against Seattle, that's not going to happen. So the guy who I like more in this game, I think the matchup sets up for Geo. Because this is one of those ones you let you let uh, Jeremy Hill kind of butt his head against the, the the Seattle for the first and second down, and you bring Geo in, you let him have a little bit of flash and pizzazz. You're gonna have AJ Green, who's gonna draw you know Sherman a lot of the time uh, in this game. I have a feeling, and uh, and that should open things up a little bit for Eifert and for for Geo. Now, who that other wide receiver is that's gonna step up? Whether it's Tate, whether it's Sanu, whether it's Jones. Those are guys that it's not worth taking a shot on. It's, it's, it's pretty much a, you know, a real crapshoot with those guys right now. It looked like it was going to be Marvin Jones, but again, you start showing up, people pay, pay, pay more attention to you. Yeah, if you don't drop long touchdowns. That helps passes, too, right. Yeah, well. You might be okay. But the thing is, I don't think any of them will matter. I think they put A.J. Green on the left side and let A.J. Green abuse Kerry Williams like they tried to do with Calvin Johnson. They're not going to move Richard Sherman. And one thing they did with A.J. Green last week, is they put him in the slot because they knew nobody could guard him there. And they will continue to move A.J. Green around the formation, making him the focal point of that passing game. So I, he's still a guy you got to start this week, even against Seattle. I mean, I think you got to start a lot of them, but it'll be interesting. It's nice to see well, if they can slow him down and do something against that team. If they can't, and you see the Bengals just rolling and high rolling and scoring and scoring, then you just know this team is going to be an unstoppable force and special this year. I, I think this is a key point to make when you say you know you, you still start green. You always are going to start yeah. green. But I think the, the, the point is I think this is also one of these key teaching moments as far as how you're setting up your fantasy lineup. If you're an A.J. Green owner and you're looking at a tough matchup like this, you're saying, okay, there's a good potential since you know they're not going to be 350 yards being passed by Andy Dalton in this game – that I'm not going to get the potential great game out of A.J. Green. I, I might have a more tempered game, so I can't think of him as where he is. It helps you when you're deciding how you want to set the rest of your lineup. Also look at your opponent. Do you feel like you can beat him with all the other guys, or do you need to take a chance with that flex guy or that third wide receiver and go for the more boomer bust guy, or you just want to get the conservative points? 
Cool. Let's move on to the next game. Redskins at the Falcons. Let's kind of burn through these uh, next two games and get caught up. We did good on the Bears, but I think I did a long promo or something because we're, we're, we were really slow on the last one. Um, all right, so you've got Redskins. Wow, that was actually a really friggin' fun game to watch. I'm happy for our cousins to pull out a nice little, uh, nice little uh, victory there at the end. Um, what's to expect from that side of the ball? What's his name? Uh, Matt Jones. I think he only got one carry for nine yards. Chris Thompson has uh, his uh, little yeah, game. Thompson started again. No, Matt Jones had like seven carries for eleven yards. Okay, 11. But he was not effective. It was okay, Thompson, sorry, had the, carries. Thompson had the six carries for fifty-three <laughs> yards, I believe. If I, if okay, so he had right. he had more carries than I thought, but he had eleven yards. Yeah. And God, I should have sold high on that guy across the board. <clears throat> Here's the thing: this is now looking more and more like a Giants backfield than anybody would like. You've got two guys who are sort of inside pounders and Alfred Morris and Matt Jones. Uh, you know, whoever you want to say might be the touchdown guy. We're not exactly sure. Uh, they gave it to Matt Jones short a couple times there. They gave it to Alfred Morris a couple short times there. Uh, that's a pretty good uh, analog to uh, Alfred Morris and Rashad Jennings. Uh, and then also the Andre Williams kind of guy. And then you've got this Chris Thompson dude who's their Shane Vereen. Yeah. And, you know, it's just once there's three guys in a backfield, oh, that, that just ruins everything for fantasy owners. Agreed. But, you know, Thompson's led the team in fantasy points out of the backfield the last two weeks. So you got to look at that factor a little bit. Uh, and then just looking on the outside, Pierre Garçon's been getting a boatload of targets without Sean there. Jamison Crowder finally got started. I, I got I to gotta jump in here. Uh, Jamison Crowder is also a guy that I really like. Um, I, I had him in, in my pickups piece, but I just wanted before you get into these other guys. After I want you to hear the names of guys that are catching passes in Washington: um, Ryan Grant, Rashad Ross, Derek Carrier. <laughs> okay, this is a situation where it's like what? Is, it, it's a it's a whole mishmash of everything. So you have a Giants backfield. And you have a Patriots wide receiver. <laughs> oh boy! And, and, yeah. and you don't have Tom Brady or Eli Manning, unfortunately. <laughs> so it equals not fantasy goodness on most days. Uh, but you know, one guy who has been you know dominating is Jordan Reed. And Jordan Reed's what concussed. His and ankle hurts. He's got an MCL. Yeah. His vagina hurts. Dogmatica like, <laughs> right now. Go on his diatribe. I, 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 I told you. I told you Jordan Reed would get hurt. But it doesn't look like he's going to be in there. So they're down potentially their best passing game weapon. So you got Pierre Garçon who's getting a boatload of targets but not getting a lot of yards. But, hey, it's coming down with some touchdowns you know, here and there. He's being used more on third down. He's the sort of main target in the passing game now. And then this Chris Thompson cat you know, with nobody else. This might be a dink, dink, dunk, dink, dunk. Tight ball offense this week. Well, this is also why I want to point out Crowder. Because, again, this is a time where these rookies start making impact in fantasy. You know, it's weeks four, five, six, seven, eight. This is where they all start to show up. And this guy's not big, okay? So he's 5'8", 185. He's a slot receiver. But, look, even their slotty guy, Deshaun Jackson. Tell uh, me more Crowder. about their slotty guy. Uh, their yeah. slotty guy. He's, he's, <laughs> he's slottily slutty. And... 
he's, you know, even when Deshaun's there, Deshaun's the deep threat. So he's going to be starting to man this this uh, this middle of the field slot roll. He's very shifty. He's very fast. And he looks good. At 5'8", 185, he's got good size, at least, you know, for his, I mean, good weight for his size. So sure. he's, he's not he's not like a Dree Archer type guy out there that looks like he's going to get killed every time he touches the football. So... I, and he had seven seven catches. So this is a guy I, I feel PPR leagues. You're in 14, 16 team leagues. Go grab this guy. He's gonna be like Cole Beasley on steroids, especially with Jordan Reed out of the lineup. Yeah, oh he yeah, does so many of those similar things. But remember, their matchup for the running backs is you know optimal. They're giving up like 30 fantasy points a game to running backs. The Atlanta Falcons are. They are. Uh, Before we get over to them. I'd be worried about Jordan Reed coming off the concussions from the past couple of years. This is worrisome, where it's not going to be... It's The worst thing that could have happened to him is the concussion. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go fill my freezer with my own blood. <laughs> All right, let's move over to the Falcons. As you said earlier in the show, Julio. Wow. Came came crashing down to earth, but I guess with those explosion guys, you gotta expect it. You can't you can't be, you can't MVP be amazing every week. every week. Yeah, I mean, hell, three. I'll take three out of four. Yeah, I agree. they didn't need him to be amazing. No, it they, was over so fast. They were up like forty-two to seven, and I don't even know. I was looking at it the second half, and I'm like, damn it, Julio's only got three catches. Like, <laughs> I think he got to four for thirty-eight on six targets, and that's like. You know, less probably about half the targets he's gotten in every other game. Let's just say this: you're not going to worry about Julio. Julio's going to be yeah. fine. Let me, let me. I want to. Uh, I'll help us to get through this quick. But Quickly I want to. I want to lay the red carpet down okay. for Stags here first. But I will take my own pat on the back, Leonard yeah. Hankerson. I've been telling everybody to pick this guy up for weeks. He is the foil now. He is the number sure. two. You know, he was brought over by Shannon. They love him there. This is he's part of what's going on. But. Tell us, Stags, I was not a believer. I went against Devonta Freeman last week. I'm believing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Uh, but basically, uh, the thing is, Roddy White's played more snaps than any receiver on that team. Anybody. That includes Julio. So, he's not just going to be long forgotten. Do not go out there and overreact too much to Leonard Hankerson. I guarantee you there's going to be some Roddy White games coming up here soon. Especially because Roddy, for the first time, said today, I'm not just going out there to run around and you know, just block, block people. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna, he, he said, he's like, I'm going to get mine, everything's fine. But now he's kind of like, all right, this is starting to suck. Give me some targets. Even if it's just for my career. Even if it's a Lifetime Achievement Award on some of these. It's just one of those things, though. I, I, I'm just telling you, I, I'll be willing to put another one of those bets down that Hankerson... We'll you know, revisit later. Okay. But, you know, <laughs> Devonta Freeman, the thing about you got to like about him is right now he's getting goal line work. He's getting third down work. He's getting first and second down work. He's getting all the work. And eventually, yes, Tevin Coleman could be back as soon as this week. But the thing I still like about it, Devonta Freeman will still get early down work. Yeah, he might mix in a little bit more with Tevin Coleman on early downs. He'll still get third down work for sure. And then, hey, he'll probably still get the goal line work because he has looked great near the goal line with six touchdowns in the last two weeks. He's now got seven rushing touchdowns on the season. Only 16 running backs last season had seven touchdowns. It's crazy. On the year. And he's done it in four games. So he, he's good. You're, everybody wants to know do I sell high on Tevin or do I sell high on Devonta Freeman? 
with Tevin Coleman coming back? And the answer is a little bit yes and a little bit no. But he is worth so much more to your team than what you're going to get back for him. Because nobody's going to offer you Adrian Peterson or Jamal Charles or any of these top-flight guys for him. Yeah, but this is when you, you have to sell as high as you can right now. And this is what you have to realize. Where did you buy him at? You've gotten all these amazing... If you started in the last two weeks, you've just gotten Boku bucks and you've won your games because of him. There's somebody out there who's salivating. There's somebody out there who's struggling. I'm not saying to go out there and buy a Shady McCoy and a Marshawn Lynch with Devonta Freeman because the strength is in younger running backs. And when you've got older guys that have been around and that are having uh, hamstring issues and whatever, and the fact that Shady McCoy is saying, I'm not playing unless I'm 100% healthy, I am not trading for you. The only thing I can say on that is they're 4-0. Julio's been amazing. Ryan's been amazing. Their defense has been good. Everything's looking great there. It's just a, a whole new deal uh, with the new coach. But it's going so well that it just might be that it would be a mistake. And we've all, I've, I've done it. I've sold high on people and I bought high. And it's just, it would be a mistake if this is one of those seasons where the guy's throwing up upwards of 20 touchdowns uh, on, on the season, which means he basically has to do a third of what he's doing so far through four games. It would be a mistake to get rid of him too too early. So let's move on to you got one one last thing. Just on one thing, Falcons. Devonta Freeman could come back down to earth this week. Washington has absolutely been dominant against running backs this season. They're the best best team in defending the running back position in terms of fantasy points allowed. Talking about when you said earlier at the beginning of the podcast about the you know, season turning things on its ear. Washington's defense, the way they've been playing, got to give them a bad birthday. Nice. What kind of a person are you? I think I'm pretty much like you. Only successful. <laughs> so mean and hurtful. All right. Uh, Jaguars at the Buccaneers. I don't care what you say. We're not allowed to talk about this game for more than two minutes. So how, let's start one minute uh, with the Jaguars, then a minute with the Bucs. we got to get caught up here a little bit. We're nailing along here. I mean... We've got, what, Alan Hearns blowing up, but that's only because Vonta Ta- Davis is... Hold on, though. Alan Hearns has had over 60 receiving yards in every game this season. Oh, I'm well aware. And yeah. it's a good game for him. But that's just why he blew up last week. Because Vonta Davis was on, you yep. know, Alan Robinson. So, but they are both very good receivers. Yeah. So, they're both going to get work. You know, don't worry about Marquise Lee. But we do have to watch out for the Julius Thomas watch starting and how that's going to affect these two guys. That's the major question. Then you got TJ Yeldon, who's like third in the league in carries, uh, getting red zone work, you know, topped 100 yards for the first time last Thanks week. Still overtime. But did you see that 30 yard run? Or in overtime, was it in overtime? He needed he it, though. looked good. He needed it. Looked good. Is this a game where he could kind of have his, his big fantasy outing? <laughs> Have you seen the Buccaneers stop anybody this no. season? Yes, he can have a good week this week. Okay. Uh, grant, granted, that it was not a good running game last week uh, against the Buccaneers by Carolina, but that was also in the, the crazy rain slot that they had down there, too. And they so. just stopped running the ball. They just didn't care. Yeah. I mean, Jonathan Stewart... Well, they, they did. Gave, it was just it was, it was was Cam Newton that was running the ball. I mean, they just gave the ball to, what, Jonathan Stewart ten times? Uh, but... Yeah, this is going to be the... It could be the T.J. Yeldon breakout fest with a couple touchdowns. I like to hear that. Let's, Let's go, go to the other side players. of the ball. So how about how about we finally saw Doug Martin have the game that everybody was waiting for him to have. Uh, got over the 100 yards and a touchdown. You know, you look at this Jacksonville defense. This is a, a defense that has been hurt by running backs. 
uh, on this on, on this year. They've been kind of hurt all over the place. So what I like is that if if the Buccaneers in this game are able, this is again one of my favorite type of games. Two crap teams against each other where you get some crazy person that's going to blow up. And and I I want to tell you what this is the game that I'm predicting for Mike Evans coming out party. You know they've been. I think they're going to be able to establish Doug Martin early enough with some decent runs that it's going to create the defense having to try to uh, you know maybe sneak somebody into the box. Uh, you know and they're going to be able to use play action. And I think that you're going to find and Jameis Winston's been throwing the ball a lot. He threw the ball 43 times in that slog storm last week. And yeah, he threw four interceptions. He is still not worth starting right now, but there are going to be chances, and I think that this is a better matchup. Carolina is a much tougher defense against them last week, whereas you see with what they're going to be able to do with Jacksonville. And again, weather is going to play a much better role. I love Mike Evans in this one. Vincent Jackson, great game that he had last week. I think that uh, you know he'll be decent, but uh, but I think he comes back down to earth a little bit. We do. Got, no, he's got one uh, little go thing. Uh, the Jaguars are actually fairly solid in terms of allowing rushing yards to the running backs. Uh, they allowed the fifth fewest in the league, but they do let up those short kind of touchdowns. And I think it could be a game where there, there's this could be one of those games where it's scoring back and forth on both sides. As you know, the Jags defense is pretty good, and I don't know that the Tampa Bay offense is that great. So this will be one of those interesting ones to watch. What's the over-under on a Winston pick six? <laughs> the over-under? One? Uh, <laughs> I guess no. It's more, what are the odds? What are the odds? <laughs> Let me tell you what. As you can tell, the only, a, I don't do I don't do as the resident, I'm not Vegas guy. As the resident guy who was all over Jameis Winston and I got him in my 16-team league and, and that I you know rookie drafted him, he's been on my bench, but I do have the Carolina Panthers in two leagues, so I was going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this game's got the lowest over-under of the week with only a three-point spread. So, it's going to be a slugfest. I like it. All right, let's move on to the next game. Saints are going to be at Philadelphia. Uh, man, Philadelphia can't... It, it, it looked like they started getting going in the second half, but we're not going to talk about Philadelphia first. We're going to talk about the Saints. I mean, They, on the other hand, had some magic there on Sunday night. This looks like... Yeah, they got lucky, didn't they? This is one of those games that, you know, looking at the schedule preseason looked like fantasy fucking Viagra. <laughs> And now it's like X-Lax, like, oh. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of not-so-good things going on with either of these offenses, and the offensive lines have... I'm Cosmo Kramer, the ass-man. <laughs> I'm sorry, you went X-Lax, I'm going ass-man. Oh, no problem. We'll just have them him splice that in where it's blocked. Uh, so, just... You know, the good things could happen. Like, it's like you see the stars aligning, and then the offensive lines can't block a soul. And that that's the worrisome part of this game. But I don't think, you know, the Saints have been very good against sort of stopping the run so far this season. So I think this is going to be another game where Sam Bradford has to air it out. You know, it very well could be. You know, what I'm looking at here is what is going on with Brandon Cooks? You know, when I'm looking at the Saints and I'm trying to figure out, you know, this is the guy that was, you know, supposed to take the major step forward. 
He got eight targets last week. He seems like he's just not able to break away from anybody. He's getting jammed at the line. He's not running past anyone. They're 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 not getting the opportunities because the line is so is is not giving enough protection to to, to take the deep shots. And when they do, they're just not getting separation. So and he's dropping passes also that fall into his hands a few times. Here's the thing: Brandon Cooks is not very good at catching in traffic. When there are people around him putting hands on him. He is not very good. He doesn't have that, you know, jump up and make the catch ability. He, that a lot of but that's guys. what he was in college. He was the guy no, that made like he had like a hundred and, and like yeah, whatever catches on but, screens. Yeah, but no, but they were also like a, like a lot of just like ridiculous catches. Now, granted, he didn't have it was college, so being covered in college means the guy was within two yards of you. But he was still making ridiculous athletic, edge, agile catches that were that he should be able to translate with a guy. A yard closer to him. We saw in the game on Sunday night where there was a play where they really needed a first down. I think it was third down play. Guy was behind him. He had the body position on it. He just couldn't make the play. I think I agree with Stag Party. It's one of those things where when there's anyone breathing around his neck, he's not making the play right now. He doesn't have the wherewithal or the concentration to or the body control. I don't know what it is. He needs to get the ball on a bubble screen. He needs to get the ball deep when he breaks past the, the formation. And that's not what Drew Brees can do right now, especially with that shoulder. Everything's looking real bad for him. And all those bets that I made on that on that podcast this summer where he was going to be the best uh, second-year guy, fuck off. I never said it. <laughs> what, he needs, what he needs is a legitimate number one outside threat to take pressure off of him and let him do what he does without having the defense focus on him. He's the main guy that everyone's game planning for each week, and they're look and they're and they found a game plan to stop him. You line somebody up, press coverage on him, and you, and you stick him early, and and that's working. So you know the thing that's been so impressive to me though, f- from the Saints side though, is still Mark Ingram, in the sense that how much is this guy who was basically never a receiving threat at all through his first couple seasons is now he's a PPR gem, six catches again last week. And now, though, also with the tremendous end to that game, are we finally going to start to see more and more of C.J. Spiller in this offense? Fool's gold, I think. I, I think mean, so I too. think it's fool's gold. I, I would. You're going to get that, but there's a lot of drag city in between. Now, I want to piggyback on you on Ingram. I've got him in a couple leagues. Not only is this guy, and we said this even before drafts, we said ADP, no matter what, he was going to be one of the best values at ADP. He's going to get maybe banged up, but he, where he was going, his ADP was going to be great. I will say this on a contract basis, an NFL player base, the fact that he just inked one this summer, right? <laughs> he is like the best value running back for what he's made. He's got like a four-year, $16 million deal. Isn't that right? Yeah, he had to play so hard in that last season. Maybe last year, thirty million because he'd been so injury prone I just to be able to get whatever money. I don't know what the exact numbers were, but he had to play so hard last year through all that stuff and had that amazing end of the year in order to get that contract. And now, you know, it, it paying dividends for the Saints. Here's the thing: in the long run, Mark Ingram leads all running back in catches. That's the best, <laughs> and that's just insane to think about when he's. You know, gotten like 16 and 20 in you know previous seasons, uh, but I still think they're going to start using CJ Spiller more. They they have to, uh, with no other really receiving threats. Uh, you know, I guess we got to talk about Willie Sneed as he's sort of usurped everybody to the second wide receiver role in that offense. Uh, Brandon Coleman sort of fell off from week one and just played less and less snaps every week. 
Uh, so he's a guy who you could fade on. He's a guy who you could drop off. He's uber droppable in pretty much any lineup you have him in. Sneed's going to be a PPR guy. He's not one of those deep receivers, though. He's more of that possession-type receiver who's not going to do anything sexy but for you. But the Eagles allow you to throw on him. You know? And that's what their quarterback in Breeze right now with the injury, that's what he provides. So it's a perfect, congruent match right there with Sneed and Breeze. Val, there it is, congruent with my stomach. Jared, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> That's gotten me into some trouble. <laughs> and I forgot. I don't believe it. I forgot it was a lie, and I talked about it too much, and it bit me in the ass. <laughs> so, where are we going next? Are we going over to the Eagles, or we going to the Eagles? Let's Saints? go to the Eagles, where things could be much sexier, but aren't because they're throwing touchdowns to guys like Miles Austin, <laughs> which doesn't help any of us. Yeah. No. Except for Sam Bradford owners who aren't starting him at this point because he's sucked all season long. <laughs> But, hey, you know, if you're looking at, yeah, hey, Bradford had a nice week last week. They're going to be tough against the run again. You know, is this another Bradford week? It, well, it, it's, it has to be a Bradford week because I'm going to tell you, it's not anybody's running back week rushing the ball for Philadelphia. This team's offensive line sucks. And that's why Bradford has not been able to do what Were they best in the league they, last they year? They were be, second best in the league last year. In, in, rushing, in, in rushing. rushing. In rushing. In rushing. Yeah, right. Not that's so good passers. Well, they let Evan Mathis go. They let Todd Harriman's go. They got some injuries. I think what Lane Johnson's playing through a PCL injury, uh, and you know they're just not looking too great up front. It's can, like, I hey, you, can I give you some stats of, of the rushing attack? This is the net rushing yards each game that they've had this year. Game one at Atlanta, sixty-three yards against Dallas, seven uh, against the New York Jets at New York, actually one hundred and twenty-three. And last week at Washington, 87 total yards. Is it as a team? I've got I've got DeMarco Murray with a handcuffed uh, Ryan Matthews. Troubles. Should I start selling low on that, or just having them ceremonially crap on my bench the entire season? You know, this is also this is one of those things where do you? I don't really see a lot of stuff getting righted here because you're counting on second year wide receiver, another second year wide receiver, Jordan Matthews. To, to be the leader in, in that core. You have Nelson Aguilar, who, now granted, it's all been the tough things, and then did you see the stupid... Uh, we had that great catch. Yeah, the great catch, and then the stupid turnover. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, it, it, there's too much of inconsistency and poor play on the line up front that is going to be trouble for Sam Bradford, that's trouble for all the receivers, and you're not establishing a running game. So, when you're getting pushed around by pretty much everyone that you're playing... You know, so lucky to beat the Jets. I don't even know how they beat the Jets. It, it, it seems not inconceivable the way that the Jets have bounced back and played last week. So, Well, the one thing I remember reading a great, and I mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago, but a great article about Chip Kelly, about how an offensive-minded guru. One of the quotes that they had in their little, like, uh, sidebar was the fact that when you call so many plays, the, st- the stakes are a lot lower on each play. Well, that's not true when you're in the NFL, I guess, because when you, the stakes are lower and you call a bad play, what happens is a lot of losses of yards. Fumbles happen. Interceptions happen. Errors happen. Defenses take advantage of this, and that's what's happening to this team with the Eagles the whole season. They can't get ahead of all these mistakes and these bad play calls that are happening for the team. That's the word. That's the, ner- the, the number. 22. That's the minutes of time of possession they're averaging per game. Oh, my God. 22. Wow. So, 
look at it this way. This is your, your measuring stick, is this week. If you have any faith that the Eagles can do anything, it better be against the New Orleans Saints defense. Yeah. This is a defense that has proven that they can't stop anybody on a weekly basis. And they're giving up over 100 yards rushing every week. They've given up uh, twice 300-yard passers every other week. So they're due to give it up this week is, if Bradford can stay on, on, on track with that logic. Uh, but there is no logic when you're looking at, it, at the Eagles right now. Is Aguilar, that was an awesome catch, but is he droppable? I think he's less droppable now than he was two weeks ago. Okay, here's a question. You guys saw Ertz drop that touchdown, and then on that same drive, uh, Selleck caught the touchdown. Did you can see that? Right in his hands, Ertz dropped it. He looked, he's like, I just suck. I'm not a game time. Well, didn't player. he also have one that was called and back? He got, had one called back on, on, a, on a penalty that he caught, and then he got called back on a penalty. <laughs> so Ertz was having a hell of a day. Oh, Ertz. I'm I so thought. glad that I, I drafted Ertz as my first tight end in the... You got Eifert in the no, other one? No, no, no. Uh, and, I have, and I have Charles Clay, who I backed up later in like the 14th round. Holla! I think I got two, maybe three leagues where I grabbed Ertz. I think two leagues. Grabbed Ertz and then backed him up with Eifert. Who was your guy from the get-go also, uh, so give you that one. Yeah, God, I, thought, I, I thought they were both going to be awesome. Ertz... It hurts. It hurts so bad. All right, let's go on to the next game, and that's going to be the Browns at the Ravens. Start with the Browns. All right, so look at Josh McCown here, okay? This guy's been on fire. He's got a, a great chance to keep it going. Okay, thrown for just under 700 yards in the last two weeks. Four touchdowns, one interception. The Ravens have been atrocious uh, at stopping the pass. Uh, they've allowed a 300-yard passer twice. Do you, you know who those 300-yard passers were that they allowed to? Andy Dalton, who is now proving people wrong, and Derek Carr. Okay, two young upstarts. Uh, Josh McCown, they're not going to run the ball in this game. The Ravens are going to shut down Isaiah Crowell. Duke Johnson is going to be the more effective running back because he's going to do what he, what he did last week. All over as a receiver. That was an awesome performance for him. He can't run the ball worth a shit. I think it was eight rushes for 31 yards, and he's, he's just ineffective when he's trying to run inside the tackles. But when you deploy him out in the receiving pattern, it looks good. Travis Benjamin. Beautiful touchdown. Both the throw was perfect, the catch and the lay down of the feet. That was, that was pretty impressive. And I'm going to tell you what, this is the week that Travis Benjamin gets, you know, you know, he had all those glory touchdowns with Johnny Manziel under quarterback. He's been getting targeted like crazy with Josh McCown, but they just haven't connected on the deep pass. That will change against this Raven defense. He's going to get by him. We know that McCown has a good deep ball. Uh, this is the week that I'm telling you, all you Benjamin owners, it's going to it's going to break for you again. And I would say too, in the ego and the psyche of McCown, you know, obviously he's got to play within what the plays that are called for him. But what? Johnny Football was able to do great is incite excitement in the stands by doing that deep ball. You know when he's dropping back, sometimes he's like, fuck it, I just got to chuck this thing and keep them psyched. I don't want them replacing me just because Johnny Football is a little more exciting with that deep ball. So he's going to keep throwing that thing deep, McCown, and uh, that's exciting. I'm, hap I'm happy for him. And he's, he's having throwing that a great lot. Yeah. 40, over 40 attempts, I think, each game. So and you're going to get over 40 attempts in this game. When you're not running against the Baltimore Raven defense, not with you don't have the dynamic running backs. Tell me I'm wrong. I mean, yeah, I mean maybe Duke Johnson gets it going in the screen game a little bit, but, but as a rusher, I'm saying. Uh, I don't think anybody's a very good rusher right. against uh, the Ravens. Uh, but you know they did allow their first hundred yard rusher in like two seasons, Le'Veon Bell. 
But that, that's not a good. An, that's Bell. not a good. That's not a good analog. No, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, good. Isaiah Crowell, meh, <laughs> meh. I like meh. that. Meh, meh. How about Gary Barnage? No. <laughs> you're not doing it. You're not letting it happen. How many fantasy points have the Ravens allowed this season? I don't know. To tight ends, three. Good. Three. Who did they play? Eifert. Zero. You blocked them out. Uh, and you know, just three for all the tight ends. Oakland tight end. Uh, who else have they played here? Eifert did all right. He had zero. Points against the was that, that was Ravens. two weeks ago. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I thought was, I thought that was this week. <laughs> zero points against the Ravens. <laughs> like zero. Hold on. I think I got some points from. He did have the touchdown that he that he should have had though. Hey. Yeah. Hey. He should have caught the ball. Hey. Hey. He did catch the ball. <laughs> they knocked it out. It was kicked out by a by a shoe as he as he went uh, into the end zone. It was the the, the, yeah, game. Was the Ravens are the anti Oakland Raiders against the tight end. Denver uh, and Cincinnati. Uh, Owen Daniels. Tyler Eifert, Heath Miller, they allowed you know, one catch for one yard. Yeah, Mike Vick, though. Maybe, but. Three combined fantasy points. Got just, it. Just, just don't Gary Barnage this week. <laughs> um, quick question. Uh, what's going on with uh, Hartline? What's going on with uh, Hawkins? And what's going on with Bo? Nothing? Who cares? Sit all of them. Okay, let's move on. Ravens. Or set, you know, we, we finally got our guy Pyromaniac Mo. We've been giving, ribbing him on the show here. Sorry, buddy. We know you love him. Uh, quick Pyro promo. If you're not uh, doing it already, make sure you check out the Pyro Pro uh, Pyro Podcast Light. Something that um, he's anchoring down, and all of us are stag parties on it all the time. I'm gonna actually be it on the, this Friday. I was supposed to be on it last Friday, but I was a little sick. Houdini's been on a couple episodes. Dog did one, and um, he's gonna be doing that show this Friday. And uh, check it out. He does a great job with that. Real serious. I think he's a natural talent at it. Uh, definitely check out our light as opposed to what you're listening to now, which is the heavy. It's a little lighter in information, a little quicker. Last week's episode was 40 minutes. It usually runs into about an hour and 20 minutes. Gives you all the updated weekly news and information uh, deeper in the week because we can't give that to you because we're sitting here recording on Tuesday nights. Um, but set? the four set got a nice game for him. Looked pretty good. Got some nice yardage. He could again. Another, There's upside. He, well, and he could have another nice yardage game again this week. The, the Cleveland Browns have allowed over 150 rushing yards uh, three out of four games this year. But same problem that had, that plagued Forsett last week. No touchdowns. I don't expect him to score a touchdown against this defense either. At least not rushing the ball. Uh, they've only allowed the Browns one rushing touchdown all season. That's true. True that. Uh, let's go. Let's talk about some of the other guys. Flacco. You sure. Yeah. Really. One rushing touchdown on the season. What about the two touchdowns they led up to Chris Ivory in Week One? Are you telling Mur- me that my research was wrong? Mur- yeah. Mur- whoop whoop. Remember when Chris Ivory ran over him for 91 yards and two touchdowns in Week One? Because that was the Browns. Mur, mur, and then they lit up mur. one to Latavius Murray a couple weeks ago. Hey, we're all the now, same I thought, team I thought here. The Murray was the only one there, but hey, thanks, you know. But hey. it's all good. We'll move on. We'll pretend that never happened. <laughs> so that was the best. Of three it. touchdowns on the season. <laughs> I, I'm said. still going to say the four sets not going to get a touchdown. I'm willing to bet fifty dollars on. Uh-oh. it. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, I, I I think you'll be able to run on them. Yeah, because but the thing is, do they have anyone in the world to throw the ball to? Like. What incentive do the Browns not have to play eight men in the box? 
Justin Aiken. But wait. Like, Chris Givens. Was, was that a real like Marlon Brown? Are, they, are these real rebuttals? <laughs> I'm just it? saying words. Just <laughs> <laughs> talking. I love lamp. <laughs> I love carpet. Uh, so, you know, these guys are nothing for them to scare you about. Justin Forsett is not very good running against eight man boxes. So I don't see a reason that the Browns don't load the crap out of the box and try and play uh you know, at least a stacked box against Justin Forsett when they have nothing else on this offense. But, you know, Kamar Aiken, he's a decent play, I guess. They've got nobody else. Hopefully Crockett Gilmore gets comes back. That could be a real saving grace. <laughs> well, if, you, if you're looking for, like, the one guy that you take the shot on, Chris Givens is going to get playing time, and this is the one guy, the type of guy that they've been lacking in the offense without Brashad Perriman. Givens can run deep. And, and Flacco throws a great deep ball. They have not had that element to their game. If they are stacking the box, that's the one guy that I think might be able to, you know. I just think it's too soon. I know it is. You never want to start a guy, especially a wide receiver, in his first game on a team. Except that this team is so desperate right now that, you know, if they fall behind, which I can see them doing, I I, I could see, you know, I'm only talking 14, 16 team leagues if you're taking a deep flyer shot. Well, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Crockett Gilmore, he's back in the mix, right? Hopefully, uh, hopefully. Not, nothing for sure yet. All right, well, let's move on. If you guys have any questions about that game or any of these games, if while you're listening to this show, you're sitting there and you're like, ah, oh, they didn't cover what I want, join Pyro Pro and ask us a second opinion. <laughs> Ooh, so mean. All right, let's move on to that next game, and that's going to be the Rams, who, uh, wow, I was just loving. You're loving? Make love. What, what are we doing in God's name are we doing? What? what? What kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. <laughs> we're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. That's like it sounded to me when people are like, yeah, so Pyro- everyone's talking about Pyromania. Tell me more about it. I'm like, well, it's a fantasy football site. Nerd. Pathetic. But awesome. Yep. But awesome. <laughs> Woo! But awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the Rams, who are fun as hell to watch, um, and just a good time all around against the Packers. This could be huge, huge NFC matchup. Obviously, we'll start with the Rams, the visiting team. Gurley, hello, coming out party. I love some of the tweets we got. You saw them, Stags. Like, how do you like that eye test now, Dogmatica? <laughs> <laughs> That's why he had to skip this week. <laughs> yeah, it might be. It might be. Uh, wow. I, that guy is awesome. Jeez. Luke. And the, uh, re- remember, too, that he's not even like fully healthy, like fully healed and got... You know, when they say you're 100% back from an ACL. Look beautiful. Woo! And against the Cardinals, no less. And the best part... Was just when you wanted to see like the medal of a guy. How about him and uh, was it was it Tron Matthew that was going after him that just couldn't or was that uh, who was he who was Matthew going after that he couldn't shut up and just kept getting burned. I think it was Gurley kept running past him and he was tackling him downfield. Looks like Eddie old Oster. SEC going at each other. Looks like a man. What's what he got on everybody? I mean, Gurley what did pretty much every single amount of his damage in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, before that, you know, rarely used so. When it, when it mattered, when it came down to it, they gave him the ball, and he played smart. You know, like, that play to go down and not score that touchdown is, 
That's a vet play, man. Twice. It's a vet play. Sick. I and love it. This is Jeff Fisher's offense. Yeah. He, this is Eddie George you're, you're looking at here. Yeah. Volume. So, get ready for a big workload for him. Teams like the like us in the Pyro Pro League that have uh, that had Gurley and are have survived to this point. Uh, and we got Foster in that league. All of a sudden, in one week, our running back situation looked real nice. Real nice. It, it, that yeah, go for it. Big props to Dogmatica who finished 11th in the Fantasy Pros Experts. There uh, you go, for, Doug. For week four. Uh, so thanks, Dog. Heads up to you, props, brother. Nice work, Dogmatica. I'm back, baby. <laughs> and he's now pushing his way up the charts, going for that number one spot. We, which we're gonna make sure it happens. So keep it up, Dog. You're the man. You're saying you want a piece of me? <laughs> All right. Let's talk uh, about someone else other in that game. Let's talk about Foles for a minute. I mean, honestly, if he can be throwing like that and be doing his thing, that team is a force to be reckoned with. He's airing it out. They're getting a lot of play. He's just he's just flinging it around. So if you've got that balance of the Gurley addition and you've got Foles being able to throw along with that defense and those swarmers, it's it's good times. Gurley is the reason why that happens, though. I mean, I mean. Basically, Nick Foles has attempted like the least passes in the league, and so have the Rams. So that means they're going to run the ball and play defense because that is their shot of winning. And they beat a very good team in, in you know the previously undefeated Arizona Cardinals to do so. So that's going to be their recipe for success. And now that they've already given it to them, what, 22 or something times, they're going to do it again. Tavon Austin is still a gadget player. I'm going to disagree. I, I'm going to tell you that he is a gadget player when you needed him to be the only guy on your team. They, they, they had no one that could run the ball consistently when it was Trey Mason. They didn't have anybody else that was... Wait, are you sticking up for him? Or I'm not? sticking up okay. for Tavon okay. Austin right now. Are you sure? I'm, yeah. Yes, are I am sure. Are you sure you want to take this side? Yeah, I am sure I want He's to take this side. Points, man. You know, you, when, you, when you have a guy like Gurley that is going to draw all the attention that he is going to garner now after what he just did, that is why Austin was able to have the game that he had. Because now Arizona, vaunted defense that they were, had to pay attention to Gurley, could not stop him. And then you had the super speedster in, in Austin. You're going to have, and he didn't even do it with like the deep passes. He's doing it on these little slants and goes. And, but, and he's been doing it all year. He has. Before Gurley got there. Which I understand. Two games on, you. two games off. Okay. Let's be serious. Okay. But Fair let's enough. be serious. With Gurley in there, now he becomes... Not the main person that you are figuring out how to stop on this on this St. Louis offense, and it allows him to have a lot more. And they're very creative in how they use him. How many touches the field. does he have on the season? Yeah, uh, twenty-four uh, rushes, 10, 10 rushes though. 12, 24, 24 targets with ten. Okay, so six six targets a game. Twenty targets. 24 total oh, touches. Right. Six, six, six touches. And 10 six. of them are rushes. That's fine. Yes. Okay. So that's that's good. And, 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 and what he can do, and there's nobody else that's out there. Look, it's going to get creative. You just watch. I, I, I'm endorsing Tavon Austin as a pickup. But why was he good? Because their best defensive back was on Kenny Britt. And they didn't target but Kenny Britt. He's, he's never going to get the best defensive back anyway because he's always a slot guy who's moving all over the offense. So but you he's not a, he's not one of these outside guys that you're setting up out there and saying he'll our guy Demarius is going to beat your guy. I mean, let's let's talk. Let's move on. 
Is it, let's let's just quickly Cooks. I hate watching that guy play more. Let's just move on because it's enough Tavon Austin for yeah, the show. But but Cooks is so frustrating to watch. He's actually having Jared, a pretty, Oh, Cook. Yeah. He's got not Cook. Sorry, Cook. Uh, get get all your frustration out at Cooks. Both, both <laughs> Cooks and Cook. I don't even have Cook in one league, but watching him is like it's like a guy that's like just picked up the game. Uh, a couple weeks ago with unlimited talent and upside and body strength. Well, but he's just naming you Cookie from now on. <laughs> I've, I, brownies, 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 brownies. Medical marijuana, never heard of it. What's, uh, let's talk about the Packers. What right. to talk about the Packers? Let's see. They're all very good at football. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is the best at football. Um, still, you know. He's the best at pussy, too. In, in your idea. <laughs> but uh, let's see. His receivers, they should all be pretty good. I mean, James yeah. Jones has, has flourished. And I'm so glad that I got him in the league. That guy is going to continue throughout the rest of the season for him. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I think let's breeze through this team. Let's talk first about the guy that went basically second overall, third overall, maybe fourth overall, rarely went past the fifth, and is was a guy I was never going to take and was never on board. Eddie Lacy just throwing shots in the eyes to all the owners that drafted him. Is he going to turn it around, or is this just what we thought it was going to be, and it's going to be Rodgers flinging these unbelievable angelic passes to all this talent around? Should you sell Lacy high, low? I mean, low, but what are your thoughts on Lacy moving forward? Well, Lacy's numbers through the first four games of this season are better than they were through the first four games of last season. And he's been hurt. So as he gets healthier, he's going to start getting it going. And they're not going to let Rodgers throw six touchdowns every week. And the reason you like Lacey is you think he's going to get 10 to 12 touchdown rushing touchdowns, and he still has a chance for that. This offense is playing at that faster pace. They're going to keep getting them involved, and there's going to be points later in the season where they just use Eddie Lacey to grind on teams. And that's when this offense is going to be at its best. And you'll I, be, and your team will be on six. But I, I, I agree with what <laughs> you're saying, but except for one key factor, you said when he gets healthier. You don't get healthier as the football season moves on. You only get hurt more, and you have to deal with all the bumps and bruises. So, by week coming up shortly. And yeah. my thing with them, don't you think McCarthy, and just with the relationship that he does have with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. Hitting his prime, he's everyone's saying one of the best quarterbacks of all times. Can't you kind of see? And you know, I'm I'm into this kind of going for that milestone, that that unbelievable serendipitous season that happens with players in fantasy and a lot of quarterback. Brady did it in 07. Uh, Manning did it three years ago. Touchdowns. Don't you just kind of think that McCarthy's like, you know what? This is my guy. I love Rodgers a lot. Let's just get let this guy just have that season, and that's going to help him and his stature later at the end of his career that he's amongst with the best because he can put up that enormous, ginormous season. I feel like that could happen. I feel like you're right because he's actually at that prime of his career as well. Imagine what it would be if he still had Jordy Nelson on the field too. It would be just absolutely ridiculous. When you see, and again, this was my contention why I was not sold on Eddie Lacy as being this number one guy, that all of a sudden he's going to be a 1,600-yard rusher and all of a sudden he's going to get 16, 17 rushing touchdowns. It doesn't happen. The Packers are in the red zone a lot on a weekly basis. And you know what I see a lot? I see Aaron Rodgers dancing around, using his feet to, to set himself up and to get easy touchdown passes where, like, Richard Rodgers had that catch. There was nobody around him. And then you see a you see a fist pump. Yeah. Then you see a double check. 
You don't see him doing anything with Lacey. Pretty awesome. And, and, and the Packers also never get the ball down to the one-yard line. They get to the five-yard line and they throw. So it's, it's pretty remarkable. When Nelson did go down with all the preseason and the hoopla with this is a, a, a Super Bowl caliber team, I was like, wow, that's going to really hurt. Eh, it really hasn't. It's kind of just allowed Rodgers to do, keep doing his thing. So the one thing I will say that's Packer-worthy that I thought was funny was the whole thing with uh, Clay Matthews, uh, the whole s- snippet with Kaepernick. Where he's going back, and God, we'll talk about Kaepernick later, but he's so bad uh, that he's like, You ain't Russell Wilson, bro. What a meathead line, but you know, the Kaepernick's on my I was just like, Oh, God, two years ago I was. I was him two years ago. I'm so not. Good thing. The one thing I didn't bring up when we were talking about uh, Gurley is he's limited in Green Bay. This is going to be one of those guys, they're going to be down, and the Packers are always up at home. And they haven't allowed a like hundred yard rusher at home in like two three years, so temper your expectations a bit on Grilly. Good, good. Let's move on. Bills at the Titans. The last early game. What's up with the Bills? We got um, Carlos uh, Williams concussion protocol. We've been getting a lot of questions about him on second opinions. One of the things that I thought was smart that stag party when we were answering some questions before the show here and kind of doing a powwow, you know, he's not out this week. He could easily pass the uh, concussion protocol and be playing. So, who's the guy? Booby? Uh, Booby Dixon. Booby Anthony Dixon. Dixon. Anthony Dixon gets well, the gun. Too bad we weren't, didn't have my, uh, my Al Bundy. Booby. I saw a booby. <laughs> the, the saying is, if y'all want to win, put booby in. <laughs> By the way, I love that. What kind of bees make milk? Boobies. <laughs> Nice. Boo. I love that opener of the podcast <laughs> last week when we did the Married with Children. It's like with the little snippet. He's like, "How is it, Al, that you can come up with the plat first players?" He's like, "Blows a right on two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's so good. I gotta go back. I gotta get like strep throat or something and just watch uh, the whole the whole catalog of uh, Married with Children, which before The Simpsons was the longest running television show, yeah. the most episodes of any television show ever. Um, great facts. You go from Steve Darcy to uh, Ted Ginley Darcy uh, from Revenge of the Nerds. I can't remember what his name was on the show. I'm uh, Dogmatica Latrell. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, so, all right, so let's let's look at this matchup. You also have uh, Sammy Watkins with his calf injury, who um, missed last week. And at, at this point in time, do you have information on it? I just want to know if you were already writing off LaShawn McCoy for this week. I, I pretty much am, because that was my next point that I'm getting and to. And they ruled that, him out? Oh, they, they already ruled him out? <laughs> pretty sure. Well, I'm not surprised. Like Did you weeks. hear the quote that LaShawn McCoy said? I am so scared. I'm telling you right now, if you're a McCoy owner and someone's offering you some sort of a deal, you take it. He's already got the money, right? It wasn't something about Chip Kelly being a no, racist. No, it was about, I'm, I'm not going to play injured. I'm not going to come back unless I feel that I'm at 100%. So, 100%? 100%. So, and, and as I was, uh, the point I was alluding to earlier, when healthier, you're never going to be 100% when you're in the football season. You play hurt. It it's it seems very convenient and lucky for him that Carlos Williams now has a concussion because Carlos was seeming to take his job before and I think that's why he didn't want to come back and play not as well and then not be as impressive. But I don't trust him at all. 
Uh, even if he plays, I bet you he feels anything. He's gonna pull himself I out. Hate, I it's hate it's, it's all bad. <laughs> I was high, I was high on him. You guys remember at one point this summer, I was like, oh, I think he's gonna be good. He was high in my tears. Just the more that guy talks, the more you just look at him. He's just not my kind of football player. What do you got, Stags? Oh yeah, Carlos Williams is so much incredibly better, but he looked real bad uh, at points in that game last week. But the Giants are actually shaping up to be a pretty good rush defense. Even without and, the finger banger. And Tennessee is not. So whoever gets in, I'm sort of liking this week. I think the you know, the Buffalo Bills defense will be able to do a number on this offensive line of Tennessee. The last time we saw Tennessee a couple weeks ago, I thought Johnny Man- or uh, Marcus Mariota looked like Johnny <laughs> Menzel was going to die on quite a few plays because he looked like that line was just opening up gaping holes uh, and letting free rushers run at him. And the Bills can get after the quarterback. Uh, I, I have to say something about Tyrod Taylor because I think if, you, if, if you're just looking at the statistics of this and, and maybe, Stags, you can help to enlighten as far as the Titans' defense uh, when it comes up to giving points up to quarterbacks. I think that as far as like rankings, you might look at it and go, wow, it actually looks like the Titans' defense has been pretty good against quarterbacks. Um, but I, I have the complete argument against that, and that is who have they faced? They've gone up against Jameis Winston, Johnny Manziel, Matt Hasselbeck. Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck. But who they injured. Right? No, no, was that, Wait, was that how could no, it be Hasselbeck and Luck? No, Luck didn't. No, it was Matt Hasselbeck. It was no, last week. No, it wasn't last week. It was two weeks oh, ago. Oh, it was two weeks ago. Okay. So, um... Even then, he still wasn't great, but he threw two touchdowns and two interceptions. Two right, and they were down. But again, that's a horrible offensive line that they have there as well. So, I, I'm just saying, I, I'm not buying into that the Tennessee defense is that much rejuvenated and it's not that good. Um, I look at this as is a situation where Tyrod Taylor he had a step back week, you know, last week. I think he gets back again, back into it this week. Okay, let's talk about wide receivers. Is Kendall Wright banged up? Is something going to happen there? Do you think Beckham Green can can, can kind of keep the growth and get a touchdown? He's not doing much, but he's, he's, he's I think Wright's, right. I think Wright's fine. I think <coughs> Dorio Green Beckham will not score. <laughs> good bet. I mean, that's all. As you'd say, too good, too bad so far. <laughs> <laughs> two scores, two non-scores. Like, that's what we're counting on. Uh, Kendall Wright should be fine. I think going against uh, this sort of Bills defense, his slot play is sort of a little scary. This is one of those better teams defending the slot. Ronald Darby's played you know, great in the slot for most of the season. Uh there's a number of different factors, though. I don't love Kendall Wright this week. He's probably going to be one of those sneaky sort of PPR plays. As I think the Buffalo Bills can get up on these guys and run. Uh, so they will have to play a little bit of catch-up. I think Marcus Mariota, if he has another nice fantasy day, it'll be because he's playing from behind, uh, like in that Week 3 matchup. Nice. Uh, what's going on with the uh, the tight end over there? Um What's his name? Uh, Delaney, Walker. Delaney Walker. I have not heard anything new on Delaney Walker, which is sort of good because you know, they were on a bye week. He could potentially be back in the lineup this week. Let me uh, give our listeners while you're figuring something out there. Do a search for, I don't know whether it's his wife now or it's just his girlfriend. Do a search for Delaney Walker's girlfriend. Check that shit out. I don't know if you like that style, but she's got that big ass, kind of like an okay face. She kind of reminds me of a young... Porn star, I, not that I ever 
watch watch porn or do that stuff. But a, a young Tiffany Minx. If you know what I'm talking about, you're a scumbag too. I feel like an out-of-work porn star. <laughs> I feel like an out-of-work porn star uh, observer. I have been swimming in was very cold. And when I dropped the towel, there had been significant shrinkage. <laughs> That's how uh, you feel. I was going to say earlier, just so you know, when you were like, it's like the battle of the, what, the bulge. Sounds like me in the bedroom. What up? No shrinkage here. <laughs> what are you going to say, Stags? It looks like Delaney Walker's going to be fine. He took a lot of time off last week. Uh, be no, back. you were talking about his girl, dude. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was. The big butt. Uh, I, I agree. You like that. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you like that, huh? I saw a girl picture. I'm like, you Can we good. talk about somebody's girlfriend slash fiance that really matters? Yeah. And Victor Cruz's, who sent a text message to all his side chicks and Victor Cruz saying something like, hey, girls, I know... Uh, you know, you don't know me, but I, I'm his girl. Uh, I know he denies it, but that's why you always meet his ass in hotel rooms. So we all know what's really going down. But uh, I just thought you'd like to be introduced to each other so you know who he's been fucking for the last couple months. She did that? And I've seen her pictures of her. She's nasty. Yeah, she is I'm not. Like, Victor, you're like, Victor, dude, don't hold on to the high school sweetie when you're in the big league. Yeah, you that's could do better, shedding them. She was, I mean, I saw that. They did an interview, like, a, one of those 30 for 30s. Or, I was like, damn, Victor, you could have upgraded that shit. Dude, picking that big bitch up must be, like, the reason he injured his calf. <laughs> My George isn't clever enough to hatch a scheme like this. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Victor Cruz, Calvin's like, all right, Victor, you keep getting injured and re-injured. Dump the fat bitch. Why do you have to keep carrying her across the threshold? <laughs> Really true, dude. Oh, God, that's good stuff. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next game. First game in the second half, we got the Cardinals at the Lions. Poor Lions, poor Lions fans. <sighs> Man, also, so poor us again, three afternoon games. Should Thank we, you very much, NFL. I just want to talk about Antonio Andrews and that running back game just okay, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Buffalo Bills are a stingy run defense. You're not going to play any of these guys against them. But was Antonio Andrews on your uh, pickup list last week or this week? Uh, as a guy who is yes. going to be a sneaky target for the rest of the season. as He's been playing as many snaps as Bishop Sankey. And it looks like he just might end up being the guy there. They benched Terrence West pretty much. and Fumbles. You know, and, and what has Bishop Sankey done to earn the job? Yeah, okay, week one, but that's it. Oh, week one, right. But week one doesn't pay any dividends when we're in week five. That's Carlos Hyde. Right. <laughs> uh, but go, going on to that next game, the Cardinals at the Lions. And we didn't even talk about how the Lions may or may not have gotten batted out of bounds. Oh, they got uh, jobbed. They got jobbed. On Monday. That, every, that, every, every NFC North team that goes into Seattle gets jobbed in the end zone. I think it's the same end zone where they screwed over the Packers, isn't it? The Fail Mary? The Fail Mary. I, I, it was the exact know. same spot. I, I don't know about I that. I believe it was. I think it was the same end zone. Yeah, stuff happens. Yeah. But uh, the Cardinals coming off a loss, getting to beat up on the Lions, hopefully. Andre Ellington could be back this week. Uh, you know, Bruce Arians saying that Ellington looked great going straight last week. Not so much on the cuts. Uh, you know, another week could potentially help that. But Chris Johnson has filled in admirably in his stead. Uh, 
you know, put together a string of nice fantasy games. And he's established himself, as Bruce Arians said a couple weeks ago, that even when Ellington comes back, they're still going to be giving a, a significant portion of the running attack to Chris Johnson. And I think he's earned it. I mean, he's definitely not going to get the 15 to 20 carries no. that Bruce Arians... He's one of those big he's a liar. He's one of the biggest blowhards in the league about exaggerating players' usage. Like, I'm gonna give Ellington 28 touches this week. Like, fuck you, Bruce Arians. <laughs> he believes his own stuff. One thing I'll quickly say that had a great response on Twitter.com. Check us out there. Twitter.com forward slash pyromaniac, but it's uh we've got a one instead of the I, so it's P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one AC. Uh, I was out buying dog food for Daisy. And came across this bumper sticker that said, got, you know, the got milk campaign. Got Richard Mendenhall. God, I thought that was the most random friggin' thing I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, just the most un, it's got to be one of a, one of a kind, uh, custom made thing. And someone was like, sounds like, uh, did you just come across uh, Bruce Arians' uh, Lexus? <laughs> Remember, he had him in, in Pittsburgh and then brought him over to the, uh, um, over to the Cardinals and then didn't he retire because he wanted to write a book and other people were saying that he doesn't even know how to write and his brother's the smart one and writes all his stuff you remember that he's got a twin brother who's the smart one I'm retiring yeah I'm retiring to write a book and everyone's like dude you don't even really know how to do that what are you gonna pen and he's still working on it he's on the the intro still good luck buddy he's the writer for Ballers is he is it him or is it that's his book that's the book is ballers. ballers. It, it, it was going to be a book, and then he said, let's just make it into an HBO show. We'll get The Rock on there, and this is going to be all good. Nice, nice. I think it's his brother that's writing all this stuff for him. He's just using his name. Go on. The ego on you. <laughs> so, you know, good once point. Ellington comes back, it's going to be a totally different sort of backfield. And I think, you know, David Johnson might just get shaded completely to the background. Ellington probably will take over those passing roles that David Johnson's been getting so far. And then it looks like Chris Johnson's still going to see a hefty workload. I'm not sure exactly, as I've said before, that he's going to see the 15 to 20 range. But hey, is he going to be in the 12 to 15 range? Sure, I could definitely see that. Can I see Ellington in the same sort of range? Because I think this is going to be a very good team. Uh, I, I don't know I about like this week, though. I don't know about this week. I think as you bring Ellington back, I, I see this as more of one of those... Five to seven carry games for him. I, I still think that you'll you'll see. You know, you're not going to get you, you can get two carries out of David Johnson. It's going to be one of those more mishmash. But I still say Chris Johnson is is the most viable for this week. Um, I want to see how Ellington looks when he comes back. When I see David uh, Johnson play. He passes the eye test. He's sure very strong, very fast. He's obviously made some great plays this year. But even just let, in some of the now that he's kind of getting regular plays, mm-hmm. he's not going nuts with them. But it, he's a sturdy, hard runner. He looks good. Look. So this could be one of those. If, if the Giants uh, then became who'd you say those Redskins? Yeah. Couldn't that also become this Cardinals team where it's just this three-headed monster and they're letting them all go and saying who's who's playing the best today? Go at it. Well, he he averaged he had only three carries, eighteen yards, six yards a carry. He had four catches for sixty-three yards in the touchdown last week. So, yeah, and he's your kickoff return guy. So he is your dynamic player. Now, what's interesting is that Ellington is also that dynamic player. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, but they're built differently. Yeah. One guy looks like he could put, cause some punishment on the defense. And, and the other one's a and the other one, anytime, you, you need it. <laughs> the other one should be tickling the ivory sitting behind a piano. Exactly. I, I'm just scared that Bruce, Aaron, uh, he doesn't like the rookie running back. I'm just scared he doesn't like rookies very much. You does No, he doesn't. He, doesn't. he right. sort of came out and said that, and mm-hmm. then he's had a couple of issues with fumbles. So you never know. That doesn't usually bode well for rooks. The one thing I know Bruce Arians does like is those Kangol hats. Well, it sucks. <laughs> and apparently he likes John Brown. He made you know concerted effort to go out there and feature John Brown last week, and they did a good job. John, you know they just use him in, in such different ways. But it looks like officially that it is Larry Fitzgerald one and John Brown two. And Michael Floyd sort of playing that, you know, deep down third role. He gave Floyd the chance, you know, and Floyd failed with it uh, last year. That was the big opportunity. John Brown as the rookie was the guy who just showed more ability. And Arians is one of those also those type of guys that is almost loyal to a fault. Yeah. So, you know, and and so it's it's John Brown now. And plus the relationship that he's got with Palmer. Are you going to deny it? Come on. We'll see. I think. I think. Yeah. There's no question. Fitzgerald is having a, a renaissance season. John Brown is a, kind of a, a tricky uh, start, and you know what's going to happen. Floyd's going to have two monster games between now and the end of the season. You're gonna be like, whoa, I, he's on my bench, or why I got to get him in there, and then you're going to get tricked into playing him, and then he's going to shite the bed on you. Oh, it's, it's nice not to have. It's nice to say the word shit around here on this podcast with dog not around. The bed? <laughs> Without the bed following? No, when you say the word shit, you open up a whole can of worms with Dog Manica. All of a sudden, it becomes a, a real poo-poo fest. Um, all right, let's go on I, to the Lions. Fest, well. Now, what does the little man inside you say? So you got to listen to the little man. <laughs> My little man doesn't know. The little man knows all. My little man's an idiot. Val Verde. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Newman. You know that a lot of my buddies call me that. Newman, they didn't say it that way, but one of my nicknames growing up was Newman. Newman. Because of that fucking guy. Hey, Newman. What's up, Newman? So, the Lions. Lions. Who is Calvin Johnson? Someone that I'm willing to buy low on. I would be buying low on him, too. I'd be buying low on him after this week. Yeah, I think he's going to come back pissed. I think uh, that was an embarrassing, could have been one of the best victories for the team that we can ever remember in that kind of situation. Well, was, Especially when you're 0 3. What was the narrative there? Like, Matthew Stafford has never beaten a team that has had a winning record on the road, uh, especially late in a game. It's like, oh, yeah, it's because he sucks. <laughs> but he pulled it together, and Andre didn't, I mean, not Andre, Calvin did not need to put the ball out there. He just held the body, his momentum gets him a touchdown there. I don't he, know about that. He's probably short. Without uh, reaching out, I don't think he gets in the end zone. Uh, doesn't matter, though. Yeah, you still you still got time, and you're at the you're at the one inch line. Oh yeah, but I think he probably would. It looked to me like he would have gotten it. Whatever, we're picking straw, uh, <laughs> we're, you know, whatever. But it's sad. It's a bummer, and then obviously we won't go into the whole ref gate thing. So, but we already uh, did while you were in the bathroom. Oh, you did. <laughs> That's too bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, we said same end zone as failed fail Mary. I wiped as quickly as I could. Sorry, uh, hey, at least you wiped. <laughs> too bad you didn't wash. Oh, I got a bidet. You can, oh, you know, you can, hey, 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 oh, I don't hey, wipe hey, sometimes. Oh, I just get a little. I get a little sprinkler. I'm on the bubbler. The bubbler under my buns. The bubbler. Oh, mother of God. 
Oh, we're having a good time. Yeah, we are. So we've got, you know, Calvin Johnson. I don't like him this week because of Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson's been playing great this season. Hasn't allowed a 100-yard receiver so far this season. Now, you know the stat? I think I read today. He's allowed 83 yards. That's it? Yards. For guys he's season. Holy crap. So, he's back. <laughs> he does that more than 100 for the season. Jeez. And, and Peterson's one of those guys that will follow a you know, receiver around. But, hey, after this week, if Calvin Johnson has another down week, you should be willing to buy, buy him for a pretty uh, cheap sort of price there. Actually, this is, this is almost like the perfect setup on the Calvin Johnson. Let him face Patrick Peterson. Let him have his down week. Float an offer to the owner of Calvin Johnson Sunday before game day, usually when people can't accept trades until, you know, because the week has already started or whatever the case is. Ooh. You Think about this. Shifty. Then he gets the, the horrible game against Patrick Peterson, the owner, <laughs> makes the quick assumption, and then you can get the benefit of the, of the better schedule down the road. I like it, but I think the one here that's made the assumption is that Calvin Johnson can't beat Patrick Peterson. And I'm going to tell you right now, I start thinking, and this happens a mm-hmm. lot with Calvin. He starts slow or starts hot, and he peters off or he explodes. It's the same deal with your boy, Mr. Desbian. Mm-hmm. Des has those games where it's like, oh, I got one so high on him, he shit. And then he gets traded and moved around more than anyone and then just friggin' explodes. I don't know. But I'm intrigued by Calvin, by his ego and the fact that Maybe he can't get it done, and maybe this team just isn't what it was, and Stafford and him aren't the connection. But the fact is, Stafford should have hit him on two other plays last night. The fact night. is, Stafford is the one that's regressed. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I still like I still like a Calvin if you can get him for the right price, because just maybe, just maybe, he's going to flick the switch, and uh, second half you're going to be like a genius for giving, getting him for 50 cents on the dollar. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that. I just don't know if this is the week. Yeah, no. I mean, it could be. But I like the way Stafford's throwing the ball and the way this offensive line isn't playing that great and you know, lack of a run game, you know, Joyke Bell potentially missing another week because he's a pussy and Amir Abdullah running like one and an uh, offensive line that can't block anybody or and, run, run run open any holes. And Theo Riddick being the best PPR player on that team so far. Uh there's just lots of things. Oh, and then we gotta, you know, say a little prayer for Eric Ebron, who uh, his M- his X-ray no serious damage. His X-ray came back fine, but I haven't heard the result on his MRI yet. All I know is I was going into a game. Uh, my buddy had Golden Tate and uh, and Eric Ebron. All he needed was like 14 points out of the two of them. And I'm catching up on the game, and he had ju- this is a, a dynasty league. He had just activated Eric Ebron like. Last week, after right. the start of the season that he had, and he sends me the text. Do you think Ebron and Tate's going to be enough to equal victory? And I'm like, I hope not. And I'm like, just just caught up on the game. Ebron just made a catch. He's like, oh good, I'm with the family. I'm like, oh, Ebron's now on the sideline, and from the look on his face, he's definitely not coming back in this game, and it could be worse. He's like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the wonderful, the joy. Of That's what fantasy's great about when things like that happen, and you have there's the reason to have the extra communication with your friend that you wouldn't have necessarily had, and it's. And it's rubbing one's face in the salt and, and the, the wounds. And, and there's so many smoke and mirror moves you can play where a guy's like, yeah, you got soccer tonight. Who's got soccer on Monday night that's in fantasy football? So don't tell me what goes on. I took a, I got a, I got Amir Abdullah. Don't tell me. And I'm just totally messing with him. Told me like, oh, you made the right pick, dude. You're so fired up. So he's at soccer. You know his reading. He's like, yes, 
yes. And then he gets home. He thinks he's like walking in. And he's got the game saved. Like, yeah, he hasn't watched it. He's playing the game. No, he's no, got, he, wants to, he has it recorded. Yeah, recorded. So he's going to go and he won't look at his phone. <laughs> and he thinks I've built the whole game. He just said, Where's this Abdullah big bust run? Where's it? It just doesn't happen. <laughs> it just doesn't happen at the end of the game. He's like, Oh, fucking Newman. <laughs> you just set me up for a Cairo promo. So get ready, because what you did to that guy was a yeah. bitch slap, baby, and it's coming. Four weeks are through the season. You're pissed. I'm pissed at a lot of these guys. I've got the bitch slap arm cocked and ready to go. There's a lot of guys lined up. It'll be coming out later this week. I'm going to be working on it tomorrow night. I'm going to knock it out. So by this weekend, you can enjoy the slap. Best. Nice, and that's a pyro-free piece, so awesome. Uh, Houdini does, if you're not aware of this, uh, at four times a year, four, eight, uh, twelve, and at the uh, end of the season, and it's a way for us to release all this tension that all of us have so, with players that are just crapping on us and need a bitch slap. But so this is only for segments weeks one through four on this one, the next one weeks five through eight, and then again as we go each four-week segment, and then the last one is reserved for... The winners of, if, you, if your player that you drafted is so lucky to be so bad <laughs> that he is in one, two, three, four of my bitch slaps, he has earned himself the, the golden, golden sombrero. sombrero bitch slap. And how many guys usually win that per year? It's about it's two, 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 three, or four? Two, oh. well, I think it was three was the most we've ever had. So, And Vernon Davis would have been one uh, had he not had the amazing game last year in the opening oh, day won. of the season. He should have. I should have still thrown him in there for a bitch slap, but two touchdowns a week one. I couldn't. I couldn't keep him out. Love it. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. You're uh, to read that one. That one's always real funny. You're you're pretty hilarious on that one. So amen. All right. Uh, anything else to talk about the Lions? No. It's. I say we move Let's on. Move on with us. different things. Everyone liking you and being right are two different things. I don't need to be right all the time, but like Costanza, I do kind of need everyone to like me. It's one of my, uh, it's one of the, the banes of my existence. I do want people, but that's, that's different than being right. Still, what are we listening to here tonight? Give us, give us the lowdown on the show. It's, uh, we're, we're Seinfeld, baby. So, you know, you, we're just getting a, a glam smattering across the board of Seinfeld gems. That's the beautiful thing about television. It comes from all different places. So, and what have we got on the music tonight? The music tonight is actually one of my favorite old bands from the late '80s, early '90s. Ride, R-I-D-E. They're out of um, um, you know the UK. This is one of the most inspirational bands around. I'm telling you. They inspired The Verb. They inspired Oasis. This is just like an incredible band that was around back when the Stone Rose were around. They basically almost invented a genre that's called Shoegazer, and it's one of my favorite styles of music. They actually came out with this album, Nowhere, that both the songs that we're listening to tonight, the first one is Vapor Trail, the second one is um, Dreams Burn Down. One of my favorite albums of all time, and they're actually on tour right now for their 25th Reunion, our anniversary of the, and that's what these bands do now. Yeah, They're like, right. We came out with this album 25 years ago. We're going to tour. But I went and saw this two Fridays ago over at the Riviera here in Chicago. And I am going to tell you, I was friggin' smoked and 
blown away by how good this is. One of the best guitarists of all time, Andy Bell, is in this band. Check them out. If you like the music I play here on the shows, you know me and Houdini do this offset kind of yin and yang thing. He's more of a soul funk, uh, jazz, blues, and all that kind of good stuff. I'm doing more of the Brit pop and the more probably hard rock kind of stuff. Uh, but I love all the stuff you're throwing out, and you love all the stuff I'm throwing out, and we're learning from each other. But one of the reasons why we are playing these kind of music and changing it up is to give you guys a, an introduction to a lot of amazing bands that you're just not going to come across unless uh, you're reading magazines or really keeping your eye open and talking to people about music. Check out Ride Nowhere. That album, start to finish, is a smoker. Unbelievable. So you're thinking of yin and yang. So can I go with your inspiration? Can I go some 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 yang with with a little audio here for you? Sure. All right. Deschutes Fresh Squeezed IPA, so delicious. I just don't even know. And I had this beer. It's like I had it for the first time. Tonight, I did it to Stags. I took my first sip. I'm like, oh, my God, so freaking good. And Stags like, what is he doing? He's had like thousands of those things. Maybe even at this point, tens of thousands. Not really. But every time I taste it, it's like a kid in a candy shop, a, por a, a pervert in a porno shop. I freaking love this stuff. I'm drinking another one that I'm always uh, drinking a lot on this podcast, the Old Rasputin. And this is a good one for me to have in my house uh, with my fiance now. Uh, I, I, I put it up as I was like, I had bought it, so I had it in the fridge at the top, uh, getting ready for the podcast, and she looks in the fridge and she goes, Ew, Old Rasputin. <laughs> That's it. At least I know that one won't be taken. Nice work, nice work. Uh, Stag Party's drink, doing some G2s over there? That's regular Gatorade. Gatorade, what's Gatorade. your flavor? Gatorade. Water sucks, water boy. <laughs> cool, cool blue. Nice, nice. Uh, one quick thing we'll do before we get on to this next game is actually, it's funny, on Pyro Pro questions we get on social media, we get the random person that I guess... Didn't listen to the podcast. They are, they always say they love the podcast. I love the podcast. What's this Val Verde thing you're talking about? So I won't go into it too deep, but it's a beer. A Val Verde is drinking a beer. There's been a couple episodes where I've had ciders, a couple episodes where Houdini or I have had wine, but I guess Val Verde is a drink in general. But Something of the alcoholic yeah, variety. Alcohol in your tummy, drinking while thinking fantasy, is a Valverde. And guys, I love the fact that we've coined this term and so many of our fans and so many of you guys that are joining us on this journey love shouting out when you start a second opinion, Valverde and all that. And it's just it's just sweet. So we love Valverdes. Um, and I posted something just a few hours ago to Facebook about, it was actually a great video from Chris Carter who was talking about how he's at 13 million minutes Valverde free. Well, and also, it's just Valverde is 
anytime you're, it's not just having a drink, it's when you're popping the drink. Yeah. So whenever you're opening the drink, don't be afraid. You know, if you're if you're a bartender, just you're opening, <laughs> someone wants a beer, birthday, here you go. Oh, at some point, it would be great if this became a major part of the lexicon of drinking and just we'll know exactly where it started. There's no denying this. And the best part is is that Valverde does not drink at all. Yes. <laughs> Go. <laughs> so, Pats, Cowboys. Dude. Wow, this game would be a major barnstormer if Tony Romo, Des Bryant were playing. But it now looks like I think the Patriots are eight-and-a-half-point favorites well, on the road. It could be a bar burner too if Lance Dunbar was playing, if Sean Lee was playing. But but just wait, they get Greg Hardy and Rolando McLean back this week. This is the week of the rejuvenation of the Cowboys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Tom Brady running up the score, and eventually late they'll probably hand it off to Legarrette Blunt after Deion Lewis scores a touchdown and has like 15 fantasy points. You said something. We've got Deion Lewis in our Pyro Pro League. You think Deion Lewis will finish the season a top 15 running back? Just There's no doubt in your mind. I think all of us agree, too. I mean, I do because I think he is the major proponent in that attack. I think they're going to be throwing it a lot. And when they want to throw it, Deion Lewis is the guy they want in the lineup. Uh, and they want to throw it all the time. And he's also the guy that is more dynamic. LeGarrette Blunt is your hammer. He's your guy that's going to give you those goal line scores but he's not the guy that's going to give you the 30, 40-yard plays. Deion Lewis can't. Let's not talk about Brady at all. Amen. One thing I will say about Brady is a tweet that Dante Stallworth uh, posted. You know the story. Uh, we won't be able to talk about it today because they're on by, but you know the story with Tannehill. Obviously, they fired Philbin, and the rumors came out that day that basically Philbin had been telling the practice squad that they need to take it easy on Tannehill in practice because they were intercepting and making too many plays. So, essentially, then you hear about Tannehill saying, yeah, enjoy that practice squad paycheck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking now, smack to the practice squad. Now, Dante Stallworth. We won't, we won't shit talk Tannehill. I hope they can turn it around. Dan Campbell seems like a tough guy. He could probably beat the crap out of most of the players that are on the team currently. The guy looks like a big badass. I hope he can galvanize run the ball. <laughs> I, hope they, I hope he can turn that stuff around. But you heard about Dante Stallworth today tweeting that Tom Brady used to pay guys on the practice squad that would intercept him. He would give you money there you go. if you were a practice squad so that you would try harder in practice so he against them so that he could be prepared. He knows he's got the money. Instead of talking about how you're not getting paid and you wish you were around, he's paying you to make him better. And the one thing that he did in a, in a future tweet, he's like, I'm sorry to digress, basically. T comparing Tannehill to Tom Brady is like comparing a tugboat to a battleship. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Oh, I, not well, looking it, good for Tannehill. This is no. also one of those things. I'm. I, I hate when anyone. You, how could you compare Tannehill to Tom Brady at this point in time? Anyway, you can't. There is no comparison. None. You know. But the reasons are for something that I we're understand, hearing. I understand. I understand. You can't feel bad for Tannehill. No, I don't. Hot piece of ass that's leaving semi-automatic no. weapons yeah. in rental cars and talking shit about guys that are trying to make a living in this league where he's. 
good. I like Tannehill, but I gotta be honest, that was one of the least favorite pieces of information. Oh, yeah. Hard for me to respect him if he's in practice and the coach is telling, take it easy on our starting quarterback that's worth the, that's got over a hundred million dollars in contract. We're zero four, and he's talking shit about these guys that are trying to make it in the league. The thing that about sucks. Not only that, but think about it. Can you completely blame him? I know we're talking about Miami here a little bit, but this is why Philbin had to get fired. The simple fact of the matter is this is the same locker room that had the the incognito, Richie Incognito and John Martin story. So and Mike Wallace and all the other what what in that locker room make, makes you feel that there's a leader in that locker room? And that's why this is a team of talented people who can't win on Sunday because you don't have you don't have a leader on the field and you don't have a leader at the head head coach position. Last thing I'll say there on Miami while we're on him, Eric Steinbach's a buddy of mine. He's told me some inside stories about it. It was problematic for a while. We just knew. Philbin was not a leader of men. He no energy. Not a smart guy. Uh, they're better off, so hopefully they'll Didn't move Didn't have the forward. look of a leader. Yeah. He looked, like, he looked like the one guy from, um, uh, let's move on, yeah. from Weird Science that was like the alien. Oh, no, the, 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 the biker guy that comes yeah, in at the end yeah. of the, who looks a lot tougher than Philbin, by the way. True, true. Um, you have a lovely home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Recreating the Road Warrior stuff. Yeah. Totally. He kind of looks like that. All right, Stag Party's telling us, stop, stop talk, chatting it up, and he's right. But I will say this about Brady, though, and this is the thing with every week, and especially this game, highlighted game, three games in the afternoon, he ran up 51 points on Jacksonville. You don't think he's going to run up the points on Dallas? Yes, he will. We talked about it. He's, they're going to run up I'm the just points saying, on everybody. I have to reiterate. Season. It's it's a good time if you got Brady. So let's go on to the. Um, let's not even. Do we need to talk about the Patriots? Brock, start him. Julian Edelman, start him. Yeah, Sean well, Garrett, Garrett Blunster may be only question mark, but I do think with a big eight and a half point, you know, Vegas spread. That these are the guys who, yeah, it's probably a Garrett Blunt game to start as well. It's also a game that you're going to play Dobson over uh, over Danny Amendola if you're in that situation, where we've seen it by, based on matchups. Look at what Dallas was able to do uh, with Brandon Cooks last week. So I will take my chances on on uh, the outside guy and Aaron Dobson in this matchup. Cool. Anything we want to talk about on the Cowboys? Obviously Dunbar down. Obviously like Whedon's a starter. <laughs> no, I got nothing to say. I mean, we got to talk about the running game because you can't talk about the Cowboys without talking about the Cowboys. Do it back quickly. Uh, let's see. Dunbar's out, so what? I think they're missing a third down back or something. That means uh, they're missing a guy to play in short yardage. Uh, basically, Darren McFadden has caught three passes this season, and Jul- Joseph Randall's caught six. So will we see Christine Michael this week? I don't. I, I don't He's never been a pass catcher. No, no, just, we just don't just, know what he is. Will we actually see him? Yeah, we saw him for one play last one week play. and he lost one the yard. Play. Yeah, that's what we'll see next. So we'll see two plays. I mean, I'm sure he's going to get some more play. They are not going out and signing in another running back, even though there are third down specialists still on the market in Ahmad Bradshaw, in Pierre Thomas, in these other guys. They're not going after these guys. They're going to run with these three guys. So I think it's just going to be series now. Like for each of these McFaddens and for Randalls, and I think uh, you know Michael's going to get a couple series here and there. But I think this is still Randalls. You know, he was sort of semi benched, quasi benched. They said it wasn't a benching, but it's it certainly looked like it did after he nearly fumbled. Sort of got yelled at it about it the week before. But 
I think it's Randall first, McFadden second still, uh, and maybe later down the line, Michael. We'll see. I I'm a big Michael supporter, uh, but I don't see him this being the breakout game for him. The thing that I that I want to hearken to on this, and I guess I had Thank to use you. it, said I had to bring it, is you said Pierre Thomas is out there, Ahmad Bradshaw is out there. This is where I want to talk to people who are in dynasty leagues. Realize how short lifespan is on running backs. And, you know, these are guys that... Had, Pierre Thomas had a good year last year. And that can't find work. So, don't get, like, hooked on some guys this year uh, in dynasty leagues and figure, oh, well, you know, he was a very prominent part. This is like, you know, he still had... You know, maybe four touchdowns and eight, eight, nine hundred yards, or this, that, and there's still a potential role for him. And now he's going; he'll be in a better. If they're beyond 27 years old and that's all they're putting up, and they're only getting you six, seven, eight hundred yards, there are not very many Justin Forsets out there. And that was still, until we see the the, the full breadth of this season, a one year flash in the pan. One thing I'll say: a lot of injuries. Roma hurt on for the Cowboys. Yeah. Obviously, Des hurt. You want to know who was totally banged up over the last couple weeks too? Witten. Witten plays, oh. does awesome. That guy's a beast. We don't need to talk about him. If you got him on your team, unless you got a better tight end, this guy is awesome. Uh, even with the Whedon in there, it's it, it, it's Target City. He's he, he's got to carry the load. The last thing I'll say about this is good news coming out of um, um, the Cowboys camp is the fact that. Who knows if it's true? These timelines off of injuries are, are terrible, but we thought that Dez was going to be more like a 12-week uh, turnaround on coming back, but now they're saying the guy might be back by week 7. Think about that. That means you might only miss the next two games. Julio Jones has had this same kind of foot injury. I'm pretty sure they have a bye next week, too. Yeah, they told... They, Julio Jones has said he reached out to Dez and said, Hey... Let the foot heal. Yeah. Don't come back too early. I did it. it. There's no reason to miss next season for nine, ten games. I think even more. Who goes to Julio for that? So he's, he reaches out, but now you hear news, and who knows what's what with all the experts and social media. But as a, personally, I know that you've got him in every team as a Desbian, but I took him in the second round of the league. If he's coming back seven and can stay healthy, wow. That's a good time. Well, I'd rather him stick around and stay out till about nine or ten, just to make sure the stuff's ready and he's there for the for the for the final run at it. But let's, who knows? The way things happen, these guys heal fast. I want to make it just a an idea for people that have him in leagues, because in the leagues where I have him in, one, I'm pretty much already pretty much dead, and so I. Well, just the way that my team was set up and the way that the other league is, and it's a short bench type league. So if you're not Producing with your top four guys, you're you're in trouble, and so, and I'm in five in too many damn leagues as it is. So it gives me one less league to worry about. I kind of punted on that one, but another one, a manufacturing wins. I'm two and two, and I have Martavis Bryant and Des Bryant on that team. That's two and two. I get Martavis back this week. If I can get Des back in a couple weeks, think about this, people. If that news comes out and you're sitting there and let's say you are two and two or you're one and three and you're saying, okay, I need to make a move to try to stay on, this is the best news for you. Whether that means that you're going to trade Dez to someone who's going to give you people that are going to help you get wins now or you're going to be able to sustain enough wins to last until Dez gets back. And let's see, you know, worst case scenarios, then if they're saying week seven, I always say, okay, week eight. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're always too optimistic about these returns. But... Plan that way. Now you have 
if you've been holding him, you can trade him and people will give you value now that this new news has come out. Agreed. Great, great, great point. I will say, on the flip side of you, I have one loss in all my leagues this year. And that's because I didn't start Stevie Fists and I started TJ Yeldon. I mean, my teams are El Fuego How many this leagues? year. Three. Sweet, brother. Holla for a dollar. Holla for a dollar. Now, I will say one thing. In one of them, maybe one and a half, I've had the least points scored against me, and I've had the matchup thing that doesn't seem to happen to me, that kind of beautiful good luck. Moment. The good luck. But the, the good luck. But as Roger Dolphy says, be lucky. Hey, I'll take 2015 to be lucky. I've been lucky every year I've won the championship. My, I want it to be this year. My Please. last year was so horrendous. Two three and ones, two two and twos, and the one team I'm throwing away. So I'm okay. Let's move on to the next game, right? Uh, Broncos are going to be at the Raiders. Stag party, as we like to do to you. We've been talking too much. So we're take the let, Broncos. We're going to let you just have some fun with the Broncos. Go to town. Oh, I don't know if anybody's having fun with the Broncos right now. They don't look like a very good offense. They don't look like an offense of the last two years. Remember, just two seasons ago, this was the highest scoring offense of all time. And now, they're what? Not? Yeah, uh, they're not. So One of the greatest defenses now. They, their defense looks looks, you know, solid to plus 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 plus. They look awesome, but you know the run game. What they're coming out and saying, Ronnie Hillman's gonna get Mary Carey's, and he's usurped him on the depth chart, apparently. But you know, Ronnie Hillman got the same exact number of carries, and except for one big play, pretty much the exact same number of yards. Oh, but can I say this as a C.J. Anderson owner? You stink. Play it again. You didn't hear it? You stink. One more time. You stink. One more. You stink. That was four weeks of you stinks. <laughs> you know what that you know what that means? I have a feeling he's cheated up for a bitch slap. If he wasn't, I would have bitch slapped you. He's the, he's the poster <laughs> child. He's on my damn team. Oh, I'm all aware. <sighs> but uh so the thing is I still think he's gonna be plenty involved. Uh, yeah, you might need to start ranking Hillman a little higher, assuming he's a little bit of the starter. The thing is, he's not the third down back. He can't See, run inside. He can't run inside, and it's sort of like, yeah, he might make one or two big plays, but without the big plays, he's averaging the same number of you know yards per carry as C.J. Anderson. So this line's not very good. So it's not like Ronnie Hillman's going to set the world on fire. But, but don't you think, this is Gary Kubiak. Gary Kubiak, one thing that he's always been able to do in his career is run the football. And run the football well with his zone blocking scheme. Now, he's had to change things up this year. This is so different because now he's had to adapt and, and say, Peyton, okay, we're going to do what you do well, right? I look at it this way. I look at Gary Kubiak as being a smart enough mind that he's going to be able to, to adapt it's taking him a little bit to figure out how am I going to be able to make everything work while we're in the shotgun and and, and, and use the blocking schemes to, to fit Peyton Manning. But in the next three games, I think it gets figured out. I mean, it's the Raiders. Yeah. This is when, I mean, what, Matt Forte had 130 total yards against them. Uh, so you got to think he's going to like you know the matchup. I think this is a game where they establish the run. I think this is a game, a division game on the road where they feel like they need to. Um, and I think this offense just might get it going in general. 
Uh, yeah, it's the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders. They're, they might be slightly improved on offense, but they're still the Raiders on defense. And Owen Daniels. The Raiders cannot guard a tight end to save their lives. This is They've no. given up a touchdown to every single tight end that has played them this season. Uh, well, not every single one. We're not talking about the second stringers. Every single starting well, tight end that has played them. Every team they have played, every team has had a tight end that has scored at least a touchdown against them. Yes. Gary Barnage. <laughs> like, it's Nick no. Rocket Gilmore. <laughs> like, it's not like they're all to Martellus Bennett or anything. No, so, uh, that was probably one of the better tight ends in a little in Eifert in week one that they faced. Yep. But you, you, you have to, it's every week and it's at least like 80 yards in a touchdown. It's not like it's just, oh, it's a touchdown in 30 yards. It's 80 yards in a touchdown every week. Yeah. Let's. Do we need to talk about any other guys in this team? I mean, you're kind of you're starting, you're starting the you're starting Emmanuel Sanders, Sanders. You're starting your 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 Demarius. You just don't know what you're going to get. You, you get can a chicken feel, parmesan can, arm out of uh, um, out of Manning, or are you going to get a? Uh, I, I really like Manning this week. I think they just get it going. I think this offense is going to get it going. All right, it's, let's it's, do it's that divisional matchup type of thing too. So you know, there's the familiarity there, and yeah. I, I think this is all. Uh, look at Latavius Murray. I'm I'm concerned. I own him in the league. Last week was his opportunity to run wild against the Bears, and he sucked. He absolutely sucked. And you want to know what? He's gonna suck even harder this week. This is so. Murray is a guy. Is probably a buy low candidate right now for anybody out there in leagues. Thank God I'm three and one, and I can suffer around him, and I'm gonna wait. But <laughs> you have to. You have to make these decisions. Are you going to yeah, wait on a guy, yeah, or are you going to? Because I'm not going to sell. I, around is I'm never a person that's like. ever going to sell anybody low. You know, I will. Sometimes that that can hurt you because you're hanging on to a guy too long and you're stuck with him. But I know when to sell at the last moment, and then you just hope that you can get anything for him, like the Bears did with Brandon Marshall for a fifth round pick, in the sense of what it was around the team. I just think that with the Raiders in this game, I don't like Latavius Murray. It's going to be all in the passing game. I think Amari Cooper is still going to be playable just because of the sheer number of targets he's going to get. How scary was that last week when Michael Crabtree left the game with that ankle injury? It's so much more scary also for anyone that's an Amari Cooper owner. Having Crabtree out there is allowing Amari Cooper to, to not be completely blanketed everywhere he goes. And... Uh, and Crabtree is still available in like thirty percent of leagues, by the way. And as Stag Party mentioned last week, he's getting the volume. I mean, he you is look at the numbers. Mari's lighting it up, but Crabtree's getting a lot of opportunities, getting a lot of looks. So they've never had that second wide receiver there. Remember, there was always we were seeing so much being thrown to Michael Rivera, and, and having to see the pictures of his sister in, in, in the crowd, which I'm never well, going to yeah. complain about. But I'm not right. seeing him anymore because Michael Rivera is not getting targeted. <laughs> True. Um, I don't know. Anything you got anything to add to that? I mean, I, I'm obviously you guys know this, I'm a If you picked up Carr, this isn't a car week. I mean, you know, he's probably a streaming option for you. They're a tough, tough pass defense. They're the best defense in the league. And I think the Raiders have scored like mm, 17, 14, and 14 points against them in the last two years, and I don't think they've been nearly as good as a defense as they are now. So, yeah, maybe they score 17 points or something, but it's not going to be a very good game. Uh, if I had other options this week, I'm sitting Cooper. 
if I have other options, I'm potentially sitting. Uh, I'm definitely sitting Crabtree. It's funny when you watch. It's not funny, and then we're gonna move on after this game. But that defense of Denver, it literally every snap looks like someone punching a hornet's nest. It's crazy. They're, they're, <laughs> they are so good. I mean, you think about how good Von Miller is. How good does Demarcus Ware look in that defense? Good. Every gracious. every interview and everything you read about him, it. He, where a, a savvy vet who's been in the league for over 10 years and was dropped by the Cowboys, gives all credit to Von Miller. Uh, to, yeah, Miller. It, the fact that he's like, every practice, every day, it's just one of those act, He's one of those greatest players. Mm-hmm. One of those guys that's going to go down in the lures of the game. Um, he's just like, every day, that guy brings it. And he's just bringing the best out of me. I feel young. How can I not give everything I got when I see Miller? Giving it so, as long as Miller's not doing his gyrating post, uh, I wish he was a little more humble. He, he, I don't want to see him doing pelvic thrusts after sacking the quarterback, but whatever. The guy's a beast. Let's move on to the next game 49ers, Kraepernick versus Eli Manning in uh, is it still called Meadowland. No, MetLife. Uh, what's gonna happen there? Let's start with let's let's literally talk about the 49ers for. As short as we can. Crappernick is Crappernick. It's it's absolutely atrocious. Did you see the look on Anquan Bolden's face every yeah. time they cut to the sideline? What about what about Tory Smith? He was wide open, gets overthrown, literally before, doesn't even look at it, pulls his chin strap off, goes to the sideline. It's like, what the fuck do we got to do to get a good pass it's like, there? How did Anquan talk me into signing with this stupid <laughs> fucking team? And then you got the coach is farting in, in, that in was the, the podium. Jed York is just like who was it? Who was the one? Have you you've heard the one where the, the Tiger Woods one, which is the best farting one ever? Okay, I have. Well, there it is, the best one ever. The day when I would have the proof I needed to haul you out of your cushy lair and expose you to the light of justice as the monster that you are. I'm gonna find. I gotta find this fart. So give me. You guys talk a little bit. I have to find this. Uh, this the, the golf fart. I don't know if it was uh, Vern Lundquist or whoever it may have been, but it was during a Tiger Woods thing, and it is one of the greatest. And Woods. And it was no, 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 no. It was the announcer as he's. But the the Tomasula one that. The, uh, with all those people around you, at least with the golf one, he's. He's just sitting there thinking that maybe this won't get picked up by the microphone. And Tom Sewell's in front of how many people that are sitting around him that are asking him a question? And is it Tom Sula or Tom Sulo? It's Tom Blue Flame Club. It's Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Don't care. Like that fart was the best thing that came out of that game. Like he, <laughs> he was a fart. It was a burst of offense. It was Crappernick all day. Like. I wanted to know if he crapper his pants. It was uh, the most offensive thing that I, that I, heard, that I saw that day. He shot You're right. For sure. Especially with that game. Uh, the thing is, like, looking at, you know, oh my gosh, these guys, uh, oh my God, Carlos Hyde playing, what, 8 for 20 against this Packers defense. We called that, by the way, after week one. Everyone was all high. I know the two the two people that hit Carlos Hyde in two of my leagues were like, oh, I'm a fucking genius. I got Hyde in the fourth, fifth round. We called that. We're like, get ready for a Hyde meltdown. And he has been garbage since. Oh, yeah. And now that they're going to be losing all the time, 
Carlos Hyde is not going to be very good. And that's just one of the reasons we didn't like him. Yeah. Uh, the, Everything was in the, after they were up big in that second half. Yeah, and let's just look at the Giants. The Giants should be a team that should be able to jump up on them uh, early, score some points, uh, you know, potential ODB passes this week. I think this is the first game since, you know, really taking over as a starter that he caught less than half of his targets. So, you know, it took him 16 games or so to do that. He's going to be fine. He's sort of been a big play guy every other game so far this season. But he's still putting up solid fantasy numbers. Uh, Not quite like you wanted to see at the beginning of the season, but he will get there. And Manning has just taken care of the ball great. Uh, so you gotta like that. I think he's throwing what one interception. And this they they really have a case that they could be four and zero. Yeah. They they blew ten point leads to both Dallas and Atlanta at home. Now Atlanta has proven that they're a very very good offense, but this has just been part and parcel to part and parcel to the whole problem that's always been there for uh, New York and with Tom Coughlin. Why do they always start so slow? And it, and it, so if, if you want to believe in the history and, and, and with coaches and when you have the same coach and the same quarterback, you know, I believe in, I believe in the history then. So I believe that the Giants are a team that's going to get stronger as this season moves on. And look at this NFC East, which was supposedly supposed to be the vaunted division this year, which is now becoming the NFC South, which was the laughingstock division last year. Right? You got 4-0 Carolina and you got 4-0 Atlanta. I know they may have not played any real major competition in either of those situations yet, but no one predicted that was going to happen and how bad the NFC East was going to be at this point in time and how decimated by injury at the same time. I think, though, the Giants stomp all over the 49ers. I love Eli Manning this week. I... You know what? Shane Vereen has been an absolute disappointment the last two two weeks for sure. Um, yeah, he hasn't caught any passes. No, <laughs> which is like, it's like, uh, why are we using him as a as a running back when he should be used as a receiver? So I think that this is like the wake up call for them. I think it, it, it kind of gets back to okay, let's get back to where we are. They know that they're not going to have to worry as much about uh, uh, facing an offense that's going to put up forty points on them. This is Colin Kaepernick. You got Victor Cruz. Now they're saying he's out indefinitely again. Bang, you know, tweaked it, tweaked his injury. Carrying the big ass cross threshold. I knew, th- <laughs> I knew that you were high on him this summer, and I always looked at him like, "Why are you like him right now? He's not, he hasn't caught a ball. He's not run or anything." I and was. I think he was smoking mirrors in it the whole time, kind of the same way his wife was doing with some of the while she was shading all those ex hoes. It could be exactly. He was right. just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna wear that every penny." He's like, "Get the White House." He's like. No friggin' hey, Obama. No friggin' way I'm playing this year. I'm totally screwed, but I'm gonna just talk the talk because no one else is gonna hold me accountable and no one wants. The only way I'm gonna be getting any commercials and free Nike shoes is if I'm playing. You don't get any side chicks in fucking rehab, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you come off rehab, grabbing that heifer you're with is, is, is problematic. So let's all. Uh, and and how, how bad is it, though, that you know they had Dwayne Harris come in, looks really good, and then he got hurt? They, they've got like Ruben Randall and ODP. Right, which in Ruben Randall with the degenerative knees. I got it out this time. Nice, nice. And let's talk quickly, and then we're moving on to the next game. Yeah. 
about how the Ravens players are saying, no, Buffalo Bills, sorry, Buffalo Bills players are saying, Prima Donna, ODB, we saw he took a couple swings. They're one of the D-backs, I forget. Uh, D-backs or defensive backs? D-backs. It's true. <laughs> same thing. I, I, yeah. say, I say D-bag all the time. Um, Sounds the same. Yeah, it's true. But they were like, yeah, this guy's really weird. He's a prima donna. You're on the cover of Madden, and you're the golden one and all that stuff. But, like, literally people are, like, saying to him, like, saying about him, it's like, this is a weird guy. And I think a lot of the best, you know, he's got the most yards from scrimmage uh, through, what, 16 games or something like that in the history of the league. Obviously a producer. He's got a, the trajectory for a guy like this is, uh, if he keeps it up, Hall of Fame worthy. He's got the talent. Hopefully he can stay healthy. But there's a lot of negative connotations on the way this guy acts. Dogmatic is not here. We know he's had aneurysms out the wazoo, talking about how much of a prick this guy is, all this kind of stuff. So we'll see. You know, Dog's big argument with him was that people are going to be targeting this guy and trying to hurt him. And that's, that's the whole point. And the other thing is that it's like you, you get into your second season and you had all that early success. Teams wise up to you. You have to be able to take your game to different levels or develop your game in different ways so that you're showing defend, defenders different looks in order to get yourself open and to be, you know, how are you so crafty? How can you be Steve Smith who can be that effective in the league for that many years? Yeah. You know, we see guys who come into the league. You know what? Do you remember a guy named Jermaine Crowell? Way back for the, he played for the the, the uh, Detroit Lions, number 84. Yeah. And like, was like the ultimate waiver wire pickup. This guy is yeah. ridiculous. This guy. And then all of a sudden, everyone figures out how to stop the guy. And then he just disappears like, I thought this guy was a good receiver. Stags, now, Stags doesn't like you comparing ODB. I know, I know. But I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> an ODB is still a hell of a receiver. But I worry with these hotheads. And the thing is, though. Here's where the good the good news for ODB or the good news for Giants fans or the good news for Eli Manning owners is that even with all the other guys that are injured, he's still finding ways to throw the ball and get other guys open and throw touchdowns. And that's going to be good news for ODB as the season goes on because if you have a quarterback who's only locking in an ODB, then you know what you're getting in? A lot of three and outs. When you're scoring touchdowns against people and you're winning games, then the defenses still have to respect everything else that you do. So, ODB uh, people, this is a, this is a, a perfect point again for a trade type talk. This is the greatest time now to try to, to buy ODB at a low value. It's the, not going to happen. No, it's, it's not. Most, mo- most people are going to give it up. But there are a lot of people who drafted him. He was drafted either a first or second round pick. Those teams could be struggling with the fact of how he's doing. So. If you offer the right package, if you had drafted enough strong and you have all that, that you know, two guys on your bench and you can trade a, a starter and two bench guys for him, I'm a proponent of make the play for your starting lineup. We just acquired ODB. Did we? <laughs> yeah, we've got two vetoes, though. Like, what kind of cocksuckers veto a trade for Marshawn Lynch and Thomas Rawls in our Pyro Pro League? It's what we gave up to get ODB. How do you fucking veto that? You know what it is? See, this is the thing about vetoes, and it's like... I, I, I hate those vetoes. I don't people. like vetoes, and it's like it, I, I used to try to allow people to have a veto vote, and it's like once you use it, you can't use it again or whatever. Certain people just always veto. That's the other thing too. But no, but you gave them one vote if it was. But I don't even like it to re, to begin with because unless I believe that there is collusion involved in a trade, and there are so many trades that you'll look at the face of it, and everyone said, "But he's getting the better value." And I'm going to tell you what. 
being a commissioner since 1998 in three different fucking leagues, yeah. I've heard that every fucking year, and 80% of the time, it goes to the other person that ends up at the end of the year that had a better, better value on the train. Absolutely. Here's the one thing I'll say about ODB that scares me a lot more than anything else. It's the defenders are an alliance. These people are part of a brethren that they're all defenders at the highest level of the game in the world. And if you hear that your brothers, your defend, like-minded defenders, people that do what you do in your profession, are getting bitch-slapped, prima donna thinking a guy that's a golden boy and, and you can't be physical with him and all this stuff, and then being a bitch, and you want to know what... It's not like you're, oh, okay, let's lay off. We feel bad. The guy, it's double down. Mm-hmm. It's more of let's join together as a defensive brethren across the 32 teams or the, the 31 other teams. And I'm going to say, and this is something that Dog said a while ago, and I agreed day one with him, he's going to be targeted. And everything he's doing, everything he's doing on a game basis, no matter the talent, the stats, the whatever, is fueling that fire even more for these defenders. And that that's worrisome to me on a guy that's and already kind of injured. He's in New York where people get in trouble. Yeah. You know, you want to talk about all the all the, all the things there for things to go wrong? It's right there for you. You're the center of attention, you're the guy that's calling all the attention. No, Eli Manning doesn't call any attention to himself yeah. in New York. He is a southern boy living in New York, yeah. quietly living in existence. And here's ODB, who's got all the fanfare around him, and it gets troublesome out there. I just posted on the Pyro Pro chat. <laughs> who vetoes you yeah. fucking jagoffs? Let's call him out. Let's call him out <laughs> yeah, on the who, show. Who, who, who it wouldn't show me who the two vetoes were. Yes, strokes. Like, so, so here, all you Pyro Pros that are in our Pyro Pro League, who vetoed, feel free to... Send us your reason for your veto. Yeah, I'll post it on Facebook. Because Marshawn Lynch and, and was a was a higher pick in ADP in every league in in our rankings as well. And the fact is, he's getting Marshawn Lynch and his handcuffs, so he's locking down that situation. And it's a team that's running back hungry that just lost Lance Dunbar. Uh, let's see, let's see what his other running backs are, and you'll. Like be like, oh yeah, he sort of needs a a running back. So that's all, he, no, no, but that's well, a, that's also the thing he that happens us with the trade. Well, no, no, so but this not. is also what happens when people veto trades. And this is this is I want, I'm speaking as a commissioner here. So this is I put my commissioner hat on, and you have to say this is where I say is it collusionary? And you have to always just go to that because this is such a year league, and you have no idea what that guy's roster is. Are you just looking at the trade? As, as a value going, oh my god, well if you're going to trade ODB, I would have given you this much more. Well, then it was Sorry. your due diligence to try to go after that player. Yeah. This happens every year and I hear people cry sour grapes all the time. You can't do it. Here's his running back core. David Johnson, Antonio Andrews, no. Ryan Matthews, uh. Uh, Lance Dunbar uh. who's being dropped, and his top guy would be Jonathan Stewart. Uh. You need... What, 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 what's his what's wide, wide receiver core? So he's got plenty of wide receivers. It's he came out saying, I got a lot of receivers, you got a lot of running backs. Let's do a deal. Ted Ginn, ODB, Brandon Marshall, who will be on by this week. And then he's got the Gronk, who's the uh, stalwart at tight end. But then he's got Allen Robinson and James Jones. 
and he's got the Aaron Rodgers connection. It's, so, so he's trading from a position to strength to get better at a position of weakness, and we're doing the same thing. This is, and this is called, people, this is what you call finding a trading partner. Finding someone who has the extra depth that you need and you well, have no, the extra depth that you need. Us. Right, no, no, no. You can't us. Not even that. Here's even more so. Here's even more so. What we did in that draft, because it was pyro pros and all of our draft kit and all that stuff, they kept grabbing every, I mean, literally, I've said this before, In the, we were on the very end of it, and I would have eight guys, seven guys that I wanted to get. In the next eight picks, all of them were gone. So what I had to do is I had to start going ahead of the curve. I grabbed Arian Foster in the fifth friggin' round because I needed a top-tier guy. I said, all right. I don't care. We'll wait four or five. At that point, it was actually about seven weeks. Mm -hmm. We'll wait seven weeks because we need a top-tier guy at some point because all of our picks were gone. Took Gurley, I think, with the sixth pick, maybe the fifth pick. Same reason. Just because I was like, when he gets in there, right now I'm either grabbing a friggin' garbage third stringer. So we went with the running backs, and now they're paying off, and we're we're, we're training it to yield up. Look at this, though, too. And, And... you you were Draft unfortunately the worst team of all time. No, I, 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 well, you were unfortunately <laughs> dealing with a medical issue at the time where you were barely able to to, to draft the team. It was garbage. But but still had the cognizant wherewithal to say, okay, looking at where how the draft had gone early, I'm banking on our ability to, to pick up guys, and I'm banking on that these guys come back in rounds five and six, going Foster and Gurley. How good does that look right now? I got lucky. Dang. I took Goskinkowski really early and our defense early for the Goskinkowski? same reason. Yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> screw up his name. Uh, but I took those guys early too for the same reason. I'm like, screw it. I just need a top tier guy. I looked at my team. I was so unhappy while the room was spinning around. Let's move on from our Pyro Pro League. But to the last game of the to week. To the last game of the week. And let's burn through this. I think this is a good show. I think we had a lot of fun. We got the Steelers at the Chargers. All I got to say is, before I have to say what I have to say is, Martavis Bryant! He's uh, back, baby! Uh, oh, I've been waiting for this, and I know that it's Mike Vick. I know. I know. They're saying it's only Mike Vick for three, two or three weeks. I, whatever the they case is. Big Ben is going to be back week seven as I'm, well. I'm hopeful as well of all these early returns on these injuries because yeah. I'm affected by them all. Yeah. Um, all the Bryants. I am Bryant bound <laughs> and I need to be released from my bounds. You've been Bryant bent? No, bound. Oh. I've been bound by Bryants and they're binding me down. So break my bounds or you're, buy you're, you're or fucking weird over here, man. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta tell you right now. <laughs> you're hey, you like, get late oh. in the podcast, you get a little weird. It's just you're, the way you're going. His wife knows it. It's like, oh, you've got Rasputin in the house. Last time you had Rasputin, you got real weird, honey. <laughs> yeah, you know what happened to me though. You didn't have makeup sex. How could you not have makeup sex? That's the best feature of the heavy relationship. <laughs> I missed out on the makeup sex. I've missed out on the makeup sex too, but I want to make up my makeup sex with the Bryant return. And I'm going to tell you what. I know that Vic is throwing everything underneath. They, no one respects Darius Hayward Bay. No one cares. Marcus Wheaton sucks. Bryant, I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm just praying for God. I'm, I'm throwing him in there in both of my leagues where I have him as that flex or as my wide receiver three. And I'm hoping. And I'm hoping that it, that it, that it comes through. I, I think that, you know, the least of the good thing is it's going against the Chargers. That defense has not looked great. I know that it's going to be more of a Le'Veon Bell show in this game. 
But that's where I think it plays into more into, De- into Martavis Bryant's hand than it does Antonio Brown. For this reason, if you're leaning on on Le'Veon Bell, I'm, I'm I'm expecting there to be some play action. That's where it's Martavis going over the top and you're taking your shots. I'm scared for Antonio. I don't like him at all with Mike Vick there. You talk me off the ledge. I, I'm not going to, but I think what I just said is, is beauty. They say Ben's going to be back week seven. Maybe that's week eight or nine. That's still better than we initially thought. I think at the end of the day, I agree. Brown is not going to get that same volume from a Vick that he's going to get from a Big Ben who just relies on him. And we've seen Bryant, who's coming back and saying, no more, I'm not going to be suspended anymore, I'm not going to be smoking the dope anymore. We've seen in the preseason Vic get it to him and go deep. I think with this, they were on Thursday night last week, so they got 10 days uh, of, of, of scheming and planning. Vic's a smart enough guy and a good enough player, and you've got the best running back in the league behind, which really helps even the scales. I think I, I don't feel too bad for Brown. I feel like he's going to get his. It's not going to be like Big Ben style, but Bryant, he worries me a bit more. In all honesty, I think he might get one or two big plays, but I think they're going to go out of their way to get Brown involved, just so Brown, the franchise, kind of they don't want to get that 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 I don't know that that diva aspect, which I don't think Brown has too much, but I think. I like Brown's game right now more than I like Bryant's, even though I have Bryant as well in two leagues, and I'm excited, and I'm probably going to play him in both. But I'm worried about Bryant without Ben a lot more. What about you, Stags? Uh, I'm not worried about either. I'm just worried about their matchup. Uh, the Chargers are the second-best team against opposing wide receivers so far this season. They have not allowed a single wide receiver to go over 79 yards. And... <laughs> Surprisingly enough, the high water mark for them is Travis Benjamin on the season. So, yeah, I think they're a defense that can be beaten a little bit over the top. I don't think they're speedsters by any means. So I think Martavis Bryant and Antonio Brown might be able to beat them deep. But, you know, all these little dump-offs haven't typically worked very well against the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers have been very, very good on pass defense and very, very suspect on rush defense. This is going to be a Le'Veon Bell rushing game. Le'Veon probably number one back in dogs rankings this week, and he is just going to run all over this Chargers defense. Uh, that's what I have to look forward to, and the play action should game should be good enough to get it going. So the, the, that's what I'm thinking because I, I realize it's going to be a Le'Veon Bell game, and, and that's why I'm thinking that why is Martavis because of the chance. And, and and you mentioned a couple of, um, podcasts ago when we were talking about it that what did Mike Vick do with Martavis in the preseason? We just said that while you were in the bathroom. Oh, you did? Okay. okay. <laughs> I feel sucking. Snag party's like, these Gatorades don't make me need to go to the bathroom. But here's, but here's but to, 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 to highlight your point about how bad the Chargers have been against running backs, did you go through all the, the players that they've given up the nope. yards to? Giovanni Bernard in week two ran for 123 yards against them. Um, Adrian Peterson took him for 126 the next week. And Weddle, who's one of the greatest safeties, safeties around, yeah. that tackle when he busted that long TD was embarrassing. Embarrassing. Ugh, didn't work out. Sorry. So, no, so this is this is the point that this is, again, and if you're saying that the, the word on the street that Ben's going to come back by week seven, well, in this division with Cincinnati playing the way they are, 4 yeah. 0, you need a win. You're going to lean heavily on the run. That's why 
you're starting Antonio, but I think that if, if you're an Antonio Brown owner, you have got to find somewhere in your lineup someone that has the potential to give you big points because the normal extra 10 to 12 points that you would get out of Antonio, I don't think are there this week. I mean, Antonio Brown would have been fine if we'd have caught that touchdown last week. Yeah, right. And, and that's yeah. just where the facts are. He dropped a touchdown that was in his lap. It was a great throw. It was it was it was, it was a low ball, but he no, catches that. Every you gotta time. throw that. No, he get no. He, he catches. It was that very, every time. only he could catch it, and it still hit both of his hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He catches that every time. But the thing is, it's gonna be a Le'Veon Bell game, like all game. Like they have allowed five running backs to score double digit fantasy points against them, and the lowest was last week Isaiah Crowell, who had 125 total yards. It's just flat out. Going to be a levy up. He might carry the ball 30 times for like 200 yards. It's going to be insane. Like, it, I don't know that they're going to throw the ball more than 20 times. Like, that's right. that's how much I think of the Steelers' run game this week. I want to see how much you think of the Chargers' uh, offense and see what's going to happen on that scene. I don't think very much good things because I'm not sure they have anybody healthy on the entire offensive side of the ball. Uh, they don't have any help. Healthy offensive linemen, even though they played pretty excellent last week with a makeshift offensive line. None of their receivers are healthy. I think their two healthy receivers right now are Keenan Allen and Dontrell Inman. And I don't know what's up with Stevie Johnson as of yet. No real word on him. Uh, but he limped off. And then uh, Malcolm Floyd's also suffering a little nagging injury. But they will have a couple tight ends. This week, for the first time, you got the Antonio Gates train uh, opening up the, the well, train. Well, as Ladarius Green came off of one of his better days, Val Faraday. Elaine, I once told the woman that I coined the phrase, pardon my French. And that's the tight end who scored the exact same uh, fantasy points as Jimmy Graham so far this season, except in one last game. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't have Jimmy. Didn't want Jimmy. Isn't there, isn't there a Seinfeld that with Jimmy? Doesn't Jimmy yeah. call someone uh, no. the first person? Jimmy, the third person. Third person. Jimmy Jimmy worked out hard today. Yeah. Jimmy's Jimmy. feeling really good about himself. <laughs> Jimmy wants to ask Elaine out. Would Elaine say yes to Jimmy? Exactly. I don't know much about Seinfeld, but I do remember. And he that. wore like the the, uh, the the shoes for the calves, like the the elevated shoes. Nice. So he was also like six inches taller than he actually was. I like it. I like it. Just so you guys, know, Jimmy's a lot taller in his shoes. Just so you guys know, Houdini's close talking with me and Stags throughout this whole podcast. He every time he talks, he's right in my face, and I'm like, dude. Get away! I'm also, I'm also, I'm also Lloyd Browning you and trying to give you Chinese gum. This is true, because that's where I'm close talking. I'm trying to, I'm trying to show you the, the the smell of the flavor of the gum. I'm gonna give you guys a little heads up. Terry Hatcher will be showing up for episode 200, and she is gonna be showing us her boobs the whole time, and they're great. Woohoo! Woo! Let's go on. Let's I close this party out. You know who Terry Hatcher is? She'll be here. She'll, she'll be here. She's coming. <laughs> We, I told her it was the, uh, what was that, Extreme Housewives? What was that show? Yeah. Uh, something Housewives? I don't know. All I know Desperate? Desperate Housewives. Eva Longoria. Yeah. Uh-huh. Much improved. <laughs> All right. Are we done with this? Uh, what about Melvin Gordon? Let's talk about it. The Downey Roadhead Show. The Roadhead Show. The Roadhead Show. How about the, the was it a 62-yard catch and run he had on that one play? Woo. Woodhead is good. Melvin Gordon is 
average, and I think they'll continue to play like that. The thing is, you know, wait, Woodhead's getting red zone work. He's getting third down work, and he's getting a little early work, and he looks like the guy to own. They're I mean, trying a lot harder to get Melvin going and get him going, and then they see that it's not really all that it would be, and then they look and they're like, Woodhead seems like every time, and it's the same we've been talking about for five, right? Every time we give Woodhead an opportunity, there's no shrinkage. A Woodhead could be, a Woodhead could head all the head of Woodhead if he could if we just gave him the fucking ball. Yes, give him the fucking ball. You know, he, he this delivers. is the you know what the problem is. You're a first round pick of Melvin Gordon. You you shown the flash of the speed. The problem is he is not shown. The, the 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 great vision, right? To see the, the the hole exactly where it is and to hit it right and to hit it with the right speed. You know that's the problem you get with a lot of speed guys. Either they're hitting the hole too fast and not waiting for the hole to develop, or they're hitting the wrong hole and when they make a decision. Do you and guys like to have totally held back? I know. Any I'm giving you all the holes. Innuendo. I'm giving it to you. Done my best. I'm done. I'm done. I'm holding back. No, I'm not perverted anymore. I've seen. I've seeked help. And we we did the uh, Blades of Glory uh, sex addict Will Ferrell, so we've, we've been there. Don't try, don't try and pull us slippery when wet. Are we done with this? Yeah, games? we're done. <laughs> I have had such a good time with this podcast. Holla at your boy. At the end of the day, if you're if you're listening to this for the first time, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a, a review there. Give us a write up if you're on Android or, or um, Microsoft. You're good to go on Spreaker or Stitcher. Guys, we put a lot into this podcast. You know it. We're about to do our 200th episode. We do it every week, year round. Now we've got the Pyro Podcast Lite to give you a secondary option uh, if you can't deal with two-hour and 50-minute podcasts. At the end of the day, we hear it all the time. We go deeper than anybody else. We have more fun than anybody else. We're entertaining. We're not a bunch of boring blowhards. Guys, thank you for joining us on this, and we're firing this stuff up. Deanie, let's get a Seinfeld rocker. There's no laws in this place. Anything goes. It's Thunderdome. It is Thunderdome. And that's nice that we actually had a nice little Thunderdome reference. Master Blaster. Master Blaster. You want to know who runs Barter Town? Nah. Pyro runs Barter Town. Stag Party, you're the man. Thanks for the insight. Your, your knowledge of the game is unprecedented. You know fantasy and you just study this stuff so much. Thanks for what you bring to the table. We miss Dog today. Dogmatica, if you're listening, hope you're feeling a little better. You're the man. Hootings, good stuff as usual. I'll, um, I'll, I'll try not to speak as much next time. No, you did great. Na 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 na. Hey, na, 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 na. Hey, 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 let's not talk about the Woody. Oh, no, we're actually talking about the Yankees. We're talking about the Yankees who just lost. Oh, they did. <laughs> That's nice. Astros. Astros. That's nice. Tomorrow night, the Cubbies. Oh, yeah. Let's go, Cubbies. Yeah, I know you're a Sox fan. I got to bring it back. You said the Astros won? I'm Cosmo Kramer, the Yes Man. <laughs> Said the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I heard ass. I heard ass. All right, guys. We love you. Again, thank you so much. Song? We're going. Dreams burned down. This is Ride. And this stuff is dope.
must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? 